right. action. So, a mayor of Julian who did 23 years in so many prisons in this country, he's lost count. So, how did that start then, Julian? Uh, first, I did um, look at your story, by yeah. the way. Um, also, you're very tall for the viewers. You're very like when 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 you watch you on the on the on the online or whatever. I don't know. There's something like as if you're small. Because I'm sat next to Wildman. Yeah. Well, Wildman's like this big. <laughs> is it? People think I'm a height disadvantaged person. Well, <laughs> for everybody, when I see you, you're six foot. You're pretty um, imposing yeah. character. Yeah, but with a lovely heart. Like, oh, you know, thank you, man. I've heard your story, and mate, yeah. I'm thinking, how did this? geezer <laughs> make it fucking in, in america i better go over there myself and take over and i because i thought you know like, well, i had a terrible attitude sean of like everyone in language of london dialect is like everyone's a fucking mackerel there was a cockney tone to to it right so those yeah. that don't understand i'll explain that but yeah. i speak now it's still london but we grew up around Cockney rhyming slang, and I didn't even know what it was myself. So explain you know? that for the Americans, then. Well, that's exactly it. There's a language in London, what the Americans may hear, like us, to, there's, there's a posh, isn't there? They, they assume, I assume, they assume that, like, the Queen's language, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll say, well, no, let me tell you, there's a lot of, like, <laughs> mental, verbal, dialect, Cockney as well. Yeah. You know, there's uh, there's levels of how we speak. And in my area of South East London, which which is very much if you're from an area like Brooklyn, New York, you're very proud of it. We was as well. That's Brixton. Yeah, Brixton, right? So that was Southwest two, moving into Campbell, not far away, Southeast five. It's moving into East London. So London is really small, really, you know, for the Americans. Like we're now on our map, on the map, and we're we're at touch next to the States. You know, so like my my experience going back just to the beginning, I might just go yeah. back to the beginning. And keep it's childhood. Simple. It wasn't. It was twenty three years of I can I can look at a life of insanity. However, there was an element, obviously, of love. Like you know, there's an element. There's five of us kids. I was the only one to get into trouble. So Anna was like was uh, at, at the point of the beginning. I'll, I'll explain. Anna was fourteen and a half. I was twelve. Joe, my brother, was seven, and the twins were babies. They were two. So basically, right, that was when I run the streets like a crazy person because I'll explain why. Right, It's important because I wasn't no gangster. This delusion of gangster, this delusion of like the ghetto, the inner cities, what is it? The hood. It's all bullshit. We are skint, mate. You know, to, we ain't got nothing. You know, and it's like there's an like, like you're back in the hood. I understand but who's helping us? You know, there was no one helping us. You know, it, you know, it just felt so lonely and isolated. It felt like I had no option but to steal. I'll explain it. And this is from age 12. This is from, yeah, 12. This is 12. But what happened in them 12 years, which is important, was mum's from Ireland. She come over when she was 13. She had polio. So in them days, you die. So apparently there's a sense of attachment and codependency of my mother. I don't like using them words, but she was very attached to her mother. She was the youngest. The other two, my aunties, both died last year, as it goes, um, was uh, 10 and 15 years older than my mum. So, you know, 15, 10, and my mum was born. So when she got polio, she was attached. She, you would be, anyone would be. So, you know, she's attached to her mum and there was a sense of we think that, you know, she's not very good by herself mentally, you know. God, I don't really want to watch this. But, like, she's okay now. A long, long time that was. But, like, that's how she brought up. So it wasn't really anything that dramatic. Polio is dramatic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. 
But um, it's just like she didn't get shot or anything. Or, you know, I didn't go on armed robberies or anything. Her way, her stuff was her stuff. She was very vulnerable, very innocent, my mum. So when she came to London, it's, uh, and in, uh, you know, she worked in a shop, uh, whatever, she met my dad, who'd also come from Malta. So have you heard of Malta? Yep. Near Sicily. I always slip the Sicily in for the gangster image. <laughs> I'm not really from Sicily, but when people say, where's your dad from? I think, fuck Malta. Mm. Not many people know it. Sicily. Like, what? Nutcase, Sicily. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you know, you're connected, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> but anyway, my dad comes over because he gets kicked out of Malta as a result of stealing and running the streets. In Malta back then, his dad died when he was only nine. So where he died, it left my dad with 13 other kids running the streets. So that running the streets in Malta meant that as soon as he stole and they caught him, because it's such a small island, they, they fucking sent him to, uh, to Australia. And like, have you, do you remember, have you ever heard of them days when they was doing that? They were sending people to Australia. It's something like yeah. that. I don't know the full story of that. You got sentenced to Australia. Yeah. And then he ended up going to London. So basically cut it short. Now you've got an idea. Mum and dad ended up coming to London. They met. They had a little pokey pokey. <laughs> and out I come along with four others. Right. So I'm the second <laughs> oldest. Right. So basically we found out very quickly, right, that their marriage wasn't very healthy. This is the story of what we've heard and what I know, obviously. And, uh, and my, my, my daddy better not be listening to this either. He couldn't keep it in his pants, you know, and he was uh, a gambler and stuff like that. What it is, is that's not the issue. See, my dad, I've got no feeling of like resentment or no like blame. I did have for quite a while, you know, in my teen years, into my 20s, I did have. But now over the last 15 years, because there's a separation, 12 to, 12 to 35, and then transformation occurred. So 15 years, I'm, I'm 50 now. So it kind of goes in them stages. So that I did really not like him. <laughs> you know, I love my mother. She used to visit me in prisons and stuff like that. But he he just didn't have any tools for living. Let's put it that way. He... um. He would react to a flirt. He would go with it. He didn't have any principles or values. That's what I think. And he's not guilty for that because his dad died at 43. Do you get that little mm, pattern? Yeah. So, the, so I think he saw it. And I have a sadness. Exactly. Your face went, so does mine. You yeah. know, back then it didn't. But like now, obviously, you know, I feel and understand for him. So that moved on to me. So that lineage, that's important. That's the basis of life. People who talk about, you know, it's not really about your external circumstances. It's about your mental state. No, 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 no. If someone is abusing you, right, and you ain't, you know, you're not passing, you know, passing on maybe, uh, like asking for help, sorry. You're going to pass that on to the next generation. And an insanity of families. And I think the world is dramatic, but look out today. I'm not putting people in categories no more. We're all fucked, mind my language. I don't think, I mean, it's a battle. Life's a battle, you know, and the prison system, the people, that are pure nothing but empathy. A lot of people are just going to die in that, mentally, spiritually blocked. There's no way they can, you know, let go and, and be the man that they want to be, that God wants us to be, if you like. The God concept for me is about consciousness and awareness, not a box, you know, not anything like religion. I don't agree. I go off of your religion. So, I, so growing up in Brixton I cooperate. Then, at that at that age yeah. what was that like then for you with your family um, um that was very it was very i was extremely felt shy i remember just feeling shy but i was very really good at football i played for Millwall, brentford and watford uh so i was training with them eight nine ten around that age but see that's where my dad used to take me sometimes 
right? So that's where my mind would forget that, you know, at certain times, like, and then I realized he tried his best he could, right? Yeah. So mum was on, like, you know, antidepressants and stuff like this. This is the internal stuff that you don't really, like, talk, people don't talk about. Mm. And she had these anxiety issues and some other issues around psychological, which, you know, she'd react at times. They would argue a lot. Us kids would see the arguing. There was no violence, but what it was was a lot of verbal. There was a lot of emotional separation and hurt and anger. My mum would often, often be left hurt. She He'd find out again. So the point of that is, I think, of explaining that, if I would have been nurtured, I'll just jump to my sister a minute. My sister saw what happened to me. So her boys, she went every week. Mm. She said, I remember what happened to Julian, which is pretty sad. She remembers like that I didn't have anyone. To, and they were saying, oh, I could have been a professional, shoulda, coulda, woulda, mm. whatever. So anyway, so basically the final straw, the, 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 really, the, the, the explosion was this. Uh, this is pretty, this is like a bit of therapy, really, isn't it? <laughs> right? The explosion was my mum and her two sisters went to Laysdown. That was a little holiday back then, you know? Yeah. Uh, with her mum and dad, my nan and granddad, and the men, my dad and the two other, my, my uh, uncles, they stayed at home looking after their kids. On that holiday, my mum, who's so attached to her mum, she died of a brain hemorrhage. She died in my mum's arms. So in her arms, she said, she said, my nan said, Pauline, I never went to mass today because they was big on that. And um, my mum remembers that, you know, she yeah. said, I remember the moon. And then what happened is as she like literally passed, she had the it was smashed, she died on the spot. My mum just run. She, she just saw it. She said, the, oh, yeah, she said the act of contrition which is some prayer. Um, she remembered that. So, so, and then my mum run, you know, and she just run into the wilderness. And all I remember is, is being woken up to my dad saying, wake up, your nan's dead. I remember thinking that he said it like really aggressively for some reason for years. But anyway, he said that he said, wake up, your nan's passed. Well, from that moment on, right. My mum come home. She was just, she was just, oh, she was really ill. You know, she, she's just, you know, to describe it, what could I say? But guess what? My dad left her that week mm. with five kids, left her on her own. She was already struggling before that oh. with his behaviour. So men, you know, need to get a fucking good look at themselves, you know, to have a good look at yourselves, what we're doing with kids here, because that's not my experience now. You know, there was years when I was missing back, got a real mean chaps um when he left he left for another woman right so i remember my mum going into st giles which is a psychiatric hospital the three younger kids got taken off uh for uh foster care and anna and me was left in a house so that means we was by ourselves but anna could function she i remember she'd done some work and I was by myself at 12, so I didn't really go to school. I, had, I went into a great secondary school. Um, like it's like a Catholic school. It's hard to get into. And, um, but I obviously weren't going to turn up at 12 by myself. And we used to go in to see my mum, and I used to be ashamed. It's weird how you feel as a kid. Fucking go away, you know. Like, And Anna seemed to be all like, you know, all joyful. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck off. I'm now ready to kill people. So that felt. So that felt. And then my mum had the social security book, which she'd get paid by because she has on the benefit. My dad worked and kept on the benefit system. Everything was dishonest. Everything was like not how moral 
fibre and actions like as a man or a family should be to teach kids, you know, to go to work, like, to, you know, educate, go to school, have some family values, things like that. You know, my mum done her best what she could, but I weren't listening then. You know, I weren't listening. So when he left, I remember my mum, she, she was amazing. After nine weeks, she got out of there because my dad left her. She had all that hurt for another woman as well. Jesus, imagine that. She actually went and got the three younger kids. It's, it's, it's amazing what she done. So I don't want that negative connotation like, that. you know, they would take it wrong. What, because everyone has their own issues. Everyone is always darkness below. There's always issues going on in families. And she, after nine weeks, now her psychiatrist said she should be in there for a year. The breakdown she had was horrific. And she went and got the kids, the, the younger friend. I was there, me and Anna, and she brought us all home, which is amazing. But can you see how fragile she is? Yeah. I'm like now not anywhere near listening. And I remember he come to the club, my dad, right? And he, uh, and my sister, my mate went, Julian, your dad's over there. And I went, fucking Julian, dad, daddy. And Anna went, daddy. I thought, fucking daddy. I'm gonna, if I had a gun, I would have shot him at 12. Um, and he was outside with his girl, with his woman. And that was weird. Because I saw her in the car and a 12-year-old, I think, would act like that? You know, in some way. Like, you should have come over. You should have got us both, like... He actually said, when I said, fuck off, give me a, some money. And he gave me a pound note back back in the day, pound notes. And uh, give me the money. And uh, and he said, what are you doing to me? I think I hurt him. You know, I, my sister said to me, my little sister said to me, don't you remember, though? You were really aggressive. And like, it's, it's weird how I forget that. I know the years when I was active, and what I was doing and the drugs and what happened. But I don't see myself back then as aggressive and then when she said that and then I realised that reaction it's not about violence is it it's just how I'm behaving how what I'm saying to my dad so I must have hurt him there by saying something like that but I think it's inappropriate to bring a woman along that's just my opinion however that was the moment then when I when I needed money now the first thing is this it's sad because when I look back I needed a pair of fucking socks football socks right to go to football so, and I got nicked, my first nicking. So now we're moving into the career, the, the criminal, the life of madness. I actually took socks, took the sticker off it. Took My sister was explaining to me and we saw a program and like joking. And, uh, and I put the sticker under the, under the thing in, in the shop, done something else. And as I walked out, he got everything I'd done is what I'm saying. So it's like a sticker, something else that was on there, and I'd just done it properly. So I had to get something off. The security go, oh, you know what you're doing, didn't you? But so, like, no, I didn't know what I was doing. Then I remember sitting in front of the school, like the free, they were run by priests, and I'm arrested, my first arrest. The underlying feature is, this is sad. This is for football socks to play football. No one was there for that connection to kind of, like, take me you know mm. so so that was obviously where i'm completely separate and this was the time i remember saying fuck you i remember it in that school because they was attacking me they wasn't going are you all right son back then obviously as we're talking 38 years ago back then there was no real help i was just only in the 70s and the 80s and when things begun to you know like from america become the betty ford clinic and alcoholics anonymous and there was some help around but in london there weren't much. Yeah, there were psychiatrists. But I just got left to run the streets. And from that moment on, that I was just a crazy, like, you know, little nutcase. So school, no, um, I, I didn't go. I remember we moved. My mother moved to Crystal Palace, which is not far from Brixton, right? I was out there for two years. In that two years then, 
I got arrested for um, attempted theft from a motor vehicle. So I thought cars. I'd hear people talking about cars. The older lot was talking about cars. But in our group, there was complete maniacs. But there was also a lot of people who was straight goers. And this is the ages from 12 to 18. So out of, say, 15, I remember thinking about it and talking to someone. About 15, out of 15 people, there was four or five of us that went our way, my way. My my mate now who works in Wandsworth Prison, um, he's a teacher now. He got two and a half years for burglary at 20. So he was like me. We was the two kids. There was a couple others, but, you know, mainly me and Simon used to run the streets of Brixton. And um, at 12, at 13, very young ages. And and he he done what I'd done. And then he kind of he kind of let it go. He'd done the two years, let it go. And now he's a teacher. I didn't. I, I what was critical was this is I'm now thinking I've got to get decent money so like you know nicking socks ain't going to work for me um, you know the car's not really working for me what can I do here so I know it sounds a bit crazy right this is, and it's more like a comedy but me and Simon he's going to laugh when we hear this because he said someone's going to say this story one day we got a, a sawn off shotgun from some older boy it wasn't it was it was a shotgun but it it was you could take the two pipe the, the the double barrel you could take it off the wooden bit of the gun it wasn't a gun it looked like it, it was a replica and um and that that day we had a Wolseley car right we had a, a Wolseley is an old an old car right you know a great like you know like a ferrari you're taking to get away with speed this car was an old beat down car and we actually done two robberies on that uh, attempted robberies, right? We've gone in and I remember the dog come towards us. This was like, when I think about it, you know, I was like 13, 14. Um, we've gone in with the tall balaclava up. We've got Wolseley around the corner with my mate who's who's blind, Darren Walker. He passed away two years ago, God rest his soul. Uh, he was driving. We we call him Magoo. He was blind as a bat and he was our driver. <laughs> Simon and me goes, goes in there, ah, let's go. And then a dog on Alsatian just come over and just shit myself. We both looked at it and we run out, got in the car, come on, come on, he turned left. It was just like a calamity of errors. And then we done another one, it was a confectionery, and then we got something out of that. Uh, 90 quid, I think it was. I don't even think that was with Simon, that one. Um, but there was a, there was another couple little robs. So I thought, ooh, robbery's not looking very good. You know, it's, it's like, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, I can't get any guns at that point. I'm 13, you know. Weed started happening, but you know, like the the story of when you hear people with drugs, because mine's a story of drugs as well. And they talk about like Tipex finna. People won't understand that they're not gonna, some are not. But if you put it on your wrist, and you like, I remember having a go, but I didn't like it. Like you know, I remember people just doing a lot of it. I remember people doing a lot of glue sniffing. I tried glue sniffing once, didn't like it. Tipex finna didn't like it. Some other nail varnish remover didn't like it. When the weed come along, we was out at Brixton on the front line and we used to go down and get two pound drawers back then right, off, the, off the yardies down there and like some, and some of our, our friends. And it was loads of weed. And it was the good old days of the 70s, you know, the late 70s and early 80s was beginning. But the beginning of craziness was happening for me, right? Um, so we'd smoke, great, that was all right. Then burglaries become more, some me and, uh, you know, I was out of our little group. I would get around because, you know, we moved loads of times. My mum, she, she'd move a lot. Um, and, and then I ended up um, doing acid for three months. On and off, we'd done that. In a group, we'd done that. I had a, I had a kind of not very healthy experience with it, a dark experience. Um, 
and stopped doing that. Well, you know, we all enjoyed it. I remember my mate, like, couldn't, his tongue or something, we was all sitting there, all tense. You only look back now and you can see what was happening as we're all kids. We're not really telling each other, I feel emotionally really frightened at the moment. We're all sitting there like that. And like, just puffing wheat, and like, I'm, I'm paranoid. And in this geezer, Ronnie, <laughs> he, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Moore, Ron, another Ronnie, like, he, uh, the, it's all going through my head. He, uh, he went, Oh, 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 my tongue. So he went on that one, like as if as if the tongue is gonna go down into his. You can imagine. <gasps> and he went off. Oh, he went more, more, more. He started making these noises. And we just laugh about those that was there, you know. And we laugh about it to this day. He didn't take another drug after that. <laughs> Peter Murphy, I remember. He he is the same. He had a negative one. I had a negative one, um, and I I I didn't really uh, them drugs. You know, it didn't really suit me. I didn't really like it. So, family life is like, you know, it's back to normal, so to speak. Uh, where we live, looking back, no one really knew because I think we was all like in in the ghetto, we in the cities of London. We was all living probably very poor. But like at the time, you know, you're not saying much. You know, I needed the trainers, obviously. I needed to get trained. I needed to get clothes because like, we're all going out and things like that. And um, so I became a bit more proficient at burglary um my mo was if anyone come into a house they're they're um, if they walked in i'm out i never because my mo because my I, I wrote a book and and in the beginning i put my previous history because i'm not proud of the burglaries i'm proud that i didn't fucking hurt people it's bad enough doing the burglary but then to go into that area of harming people you know i'll put it in there because the book as you probably know you're exposing yourself so I'm saying, here's my previous history, literally my criminal conviction, because I'd I'd get in, I'd set a way to get out, and if, as I say, anyone come in, I'm gone, mate. So like, and some commercial properties as well, like shops and stuff like that. We I used to do, and I was, and you know what, I was doing it by myself as well. Like, I didn't need anyone, you know, I didn't need people to go with to wait about. If that causes conflict as well with money, but I thought no, and I would find myself doing all these burglaries. How'd you get in and out? Uh, no, often, often, sometimes it would be a creep, but most of the time it would be going out on a Friday, Saturday, or like say uh, afternoons when people are at work. So in London, you got South London, you got wealthy parts just across the river. So you know, you go across the river, and it would be it would be basements, it would be side entrances, semi detached, uh, often the back or ba- or or basements. Sometimes it would be literally just crashing a window, a square window, you know, putting your coat up against it. Sometimes I'd have like, you know, like a jemmy on me when it's prepared. Sometimes I'd have a driver. Sometimes we drive out to the country. Uh, and it, that, that was when it was like, you know, fluid flowing. Money's coming in now. Um, however, I'm only 16 now. All right. So it's only 16. Now, when I look at it and think my age, 16 doing this. Um, yes, just was in it. So so it was almost like something's need. Some, I need to connect to something. Some work is not happening. You're all fucking mackerels was my favourite word to go to work. Just to go to work. Look at them mugs going to work. Um, you know, that, that was my attitude. Uh, and then I get nicked. And as I got nicked, I forgot to tell you, my I met my daughter's mother, right? So she passed away now. Uh, but we split up years and years ago. I heard Jacinta, her name. I've got a daughter called Toya, who's 30, 31. It's around 31. Um, and that and that was a, a young relation. That was like a, the love of my life, if you like. You know, the first one you meet. Like I had a couple of girls that I liked, but Jacinta was the first at sixteen to twenty-two. That was the years when it was all done, daughter, and then finished. Because I couldn't let go of like the prison attitude. 
my behaviour, even though she she had some personal issues herself, which I wouldn't divulge here because that's you know she's passed away, God rest her soul, and it was addiction that killed her. So pure compassion with that. You know, poor girl, what she went through. She actually come to look for me twenty years later, come to our house. Can you see that? And I didn't know she was dying. My sister worked in the hospital and knew she had all sorts wrong with her. And I look back and poor girl, she come all that way. Sad, you know. But back then, we were young, we were together, and I got nicked. And what she'd done, which was sweet, she come to visit me. She bought me a jumper. You know, such a little thing. I needed a jumper. It was in the cold when you're nicked and arrested and you've been through the river. Like, and, and there she was, little one. We're both 16. And, um, and, I, and I get um, three months. No, that was after. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was, I've got it. I got it. I got arrested for violence at 13, attempted, attempted uh, some violence, ABH. And then this was the one. At 16, we're in a, we're in, this is, this was not good. We're in um, a pub, our local pub. There's all us lot there. And there was two fellas in there and their, and their friend, a lady. Uh, and I started it. You know, I can't, there's nothing else to say. What the fuck are they? So the attitude was, this is my plot, my manner, 16 years of age. Right, they just didn't want to know. They were tall, really tall. Their height got me. And basically, I just steamed into them. I mean, you know, I steamed into them. Then my mates, a couple of brothers over there, they come in. But then the second friend went, oh, can you don't? And the girl was crying. And uh, just steamed. This is important because it's not about the violence. This is important also the story. And then I steamed into the next one and swinging wild. And, and, uh, and, and it wasn't a nice sight. And I'll never forget the kick that my mate Darren done. He kicked him right in the face and it spun him round. And you know, you remember little things when you, when you get a sense of awareness. But back then, oh, it's like poor fuckers. By the time, fuck them. How dare they? And then we got arrested. We didn't get arrested straight away. The little brother, like, you know, they heard, everyone heard it was me and then uh, the, the brother. Uh, and the little brother who actually grasped us up, you know, we didn't even... Snitched is the word for the Americans. <laughs> um, snitch we call it grass um, and because he was so pitiful and such a fucking idiot like you know we didn't bother with him you know it was pointless you know but like he actually got 15 months as well uh, so so oh, we got arrested um, that was when Jacinda sorry that was when she got me the, you know the jumper and stuff like she got me and she visited me in the prisons now, now the first time in Dover prison was uh, well sorry 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 this is the, this is obviously the next step trial it's important to say this with the trial not to the prison so i've got no tools really to communicate in a court of law right i'm 16 fucking not standing in a dock like that like you know not trying to be you know like like calm fucking shit here like that and i hate the judge and uh, the jury we don't like them and there's three of us me and the two brothers um one brother, he had a burglary to go up for and an ABH with me. He gets adjourned, which means he goes to another court, another date, right? He gets 12 months because of that. I get 18 months just for the one ABH. That gives you an idea. I was the main instigator and I went not guilty, right? They don't like that, right? They don't like that. So as a result of, of getting a not guilty, that's when I get 18 months. So I lie through the court and then... This happens, right? Into my first prison experience. Just one point on that, right? Where my job is, what I do today is completely the other way, helping people and what I do. I I thought, how come the barrister, through that process, through a solicitor to a barrister, could not see that I was a little nutcase? Why did he, when I was guilty of everything, why and the statements that was all against me, everyone went, it's him, 
and I go not guilty. Why wasn't I guided to a guilty plea? Do you understand why? Right now, I do that today, like things like that. I can see that that kid is, is what they've done is not good. But you can see there's a story behind why they went and done that. So who's helping? That's why I had to do what I had to do when it transformed for me. I had to do that. Like, come here, son. Go guilty. You've kicked the granny out of him. You've, you took advantage. Someone who should have said that. Do you see that connection, what I'm saying? Yeah. That's needed. And anyway, so I'll go into the prison environment. I was really aggressive. I had to be. It, I just didn't know anything else. I went into Dover, and I'll never forget it, right? As soon as in reception, the prison officer, he spoke because it was it was the back end of a YP, which is young, you know, the young offenders. And it had changed from a borstal, which was a short, sharp shock of like six weeks, you know, eight weeks, three months. Not good. It was like army, right? And I just missed it. So the screws, the prisoners, officers, they still had the mentality. So I didn't know this. 16, got into reception. And as soon as he went, you fucking get over there. I just fucking steamed into him. Like, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> like, it wasn't saying oh, I threw right or left at bum bum, knocked him Sparko, knocked him you know, that tall. It was just, it was just reaction. You know, it was just reaction. And I got fucking hurt. They then steamed into me and I would never show hurt. I'd never show it. But I'd go on you and I'd spit. <laughs> you know, that was the story, but it wasn't even me. <laughs> and I remember going down the block and I said, you cunts. And I said, Sorry to loud, I didn't use that C word for years and years. And um, so I then do, I get a 28-day laid down. So I've, I've hit the prison system. The first time, I did do a little remand and I got bow. I remember that was three weeks when I when they first was working out this ABHD, you know, the, the, the crime itself. And, and you, I got bow. Uh, my brother-in-law got put up a surety. But this was now prison. This was the first time. So 28-day laid down. So I come out. Now I'm 17, right? Just turned 16 and 17. It goes up to 21. So that means I'm young in a 21 and mm. under. I'm not 20, 21, one of the chaps, but I thought I was. You know, I had to play that game. And like the reality is, all it would have done is someone just knocked me out. And by the way, two months before I got out, I got the best left hook you'll ever imagine of someone. But anyway, so so it kind of put it deflated me a little bit. But like, you know, but I was getting out soon. I explained that. So that that experience was nothing but insanity. Bullying was everywhere. What goes on in the prisons? You know what you see today, and you're seeing terrible things. Spices it in the prisons. Is the you know the youngsters are standing there just to take a punch for one joint of spice. I don't know what that. I've never took it. I've heard about it. I've seen it. And uh, but I was very much not one of them. I was ones that uh, not necessarily a bully, but at certain times I knew when to attack and when not to. So I was kind of with the click, if you like. So if you're from Brixton. You go in with this type of like, where are you from? Brixton. It was like, fucking Brixton. <laughs> you know, where I'm from is so important. And if you're not, if you're from outside of Brixton, you're a mug and you're a mackerel. Like, you know, like, it's very, like there was Bermondsey. Bermondsey's in southeast London. They're known for the armed robbers and the family tree lineage. And they're happy and proud to say, you know, my dad's a blagger, you know, and I come with that attitude, but I wasn't like them. You know, I did associate around that, you know, but I wasn't like them. Um, so then, so then, um, basically she visited me. Uh, uh, so now the next say, say 18 years up to 35 was the next one. Then was, um, I remember getting out and this is when I, in that year I was away. Oh, by the way, when I was away for that year, you got six months and you can go for parole. So the parole system there is like 
do well, work with us, do your little job. And I was on education. But my mate went home after three months and he gave me all the tobacco, all the stuff, which was the barren. So I wonder why I got a blank on my parole because I got given the tobacco and that means now I'm the baron. I've got the list. This is all kid stuff, by the way, right? It's, it's teenage kids, really, right? Uh, in prisons. I got the list. I went up to everybody. I said, I'm all going to do you a favour now. I was sitting there like Cray Twins, you know. I'm going <laughs> to do you all a favour. All your debt is now squashed. I'm the man doing it. And that's what I've done. And then same people got back in the debt. You know, vulnerable people look bad, but I didn't give a fuck. I wanted my tobacco. And if they didn't have the double bubble by next week, I'd have to go and do that. So did I just say I want a bully? That sounds like a bit of a bully, doesn't it? So like, but it's a business deal. It's a business arrangement. They give me the fuck. I want my stuff back. And I remember like a few people that I'd give like, right handers to and things like that. And, uh, and, and, you know, and like someone, someone, you know, like would have said to me, you're going to get a right hook soon, son. Put you down, like deflate you a little bit, you know, like that, that type of like thing would, would be in my consciousness. It felt like I shouldn't be doing this. But I'm nice to have my friends and we're doing what we're doing and stuff like that. This was the first time heroin hit us, right? Heroin. You know, I didn't know it was heroin because we didn't. We didn't know it was called heroin, right? Um, all the drugs had been taken. I'm in the prison for a year, remember? I'm doing all the tobacco in. Baron. My mum and dad actually come up to see me, which was a weird thing because they were split up. They come up to see me. I remember on that visit, it was weird, you know, like like they're sitting there. They don't really like each other, but they probably felt terrible. Their son in prison. I don't know how they felt and thought, mm. I don't know. But like, I know it weren't good because I was sitting there like that. Fuck, I must have left. Well, fuck me. What have we brought up here? The other four ain't like this, you know. It's your fucking fault, <laughs> you know. But I didn't say that. But I very much like changed in attitude even more because now you're around the older boys. Your language is getting more. You're listening to someone else. So around the blackies, I'd be have a little bit of patois. So I could speak a bit of patois, Jamaican patois. But I was mainly Cockney. You know, mainly, where are you from, Chad? It was mainly the Cockney dialect, because that's what a lot of it was back, back then in that prison. And as I say, we grew up naturally with black people. It's just me. What, I don't even think and look. I don't even want to hear shit about, like, you know, uh, black and white. You know what I mean? And Americans do it a lot. I see it all out there. Like, me, go away. It's, it's a waste of my energy, man. You know, we're together as one, even back then. You know, like I didn't think black because we was both struggling. In I remember primary school at six, seven. I there's there was say in a class of thirty, there was about five black geezers and there's four Indians, for instance. I was kind of like confused anyway. Think about it. I'm not like pure white anyway. I don't know what the fuck I am. Like Irish, Maltese, <laughs> a bit Sicilian, which is a lie. Like my mum's mum is Spanish. What the fuck? I don't know what the fuck I am. And it's true, I didn't know what's British, what's fucking American. I don't know. <laughs> So how, how did you end up getting checked in the yeah, jar? Yeah, with two months left to go, like, you know, I, you know, it was, it was evident that like, I was due a clump, really. You know, the older boys would have seen to it. But this nutter, maniac, like, who's now in Rampton, he's lifed off very crazy, very, but terror, fucking real fighting man. Like, real, like he, he used to beat everyone up. And I knew it was kind of coming, you know, but China was friendly with him. And then one day, just literally, just with, with a couple months to go, um... It was literally bumping into each other, just going into the TV room. And he said, watch the door like that. <laughs> My ass, I went, <laughs> right? I had slippers on. I weren't ready. I knew it was coming because you could see it. And he just dropped to right, like as if you're going to throw right. And he's done an uppercut. Bang. <sighs> Bang. Took me there. And, just, and I kind of didn't fall. Like, I mean, I didn't get knocked out. But, but took it and then just jumped on him. Like, you know, and then they, not to hit him, 
just I just fell on him. No, but the instinctual reaction was you know, I had to get on him. Um, and then others got in the way of it, you know, like and all that. My ego was deflated. My God, <laughs> <laughs> seventeen, and you know, thinking the world's like you know. But I'm not. I'm not suicidal. I'm homicidal. I don't think suicide. I don't think self pity. I'm going. To, I'm going. I'm. Something's going to happen, you know. And when I had that element a little bit to me, I was seventeen, you know, eighteen. I think I turned eighteen in August. Yeah, because I was getting out in December. They blanked me for everything. The parole. So now, like, you know, no one's come up to meet us and try to nurture us. There was the same old bollocks that you know they're treating us not not good. Uh, families are not even involved, you know. Like with that process of trying to be helpful, and I hated everyone, and um, you know, and, and they got me off the wing, you know, like. Um, I weren't going anywhere, you know, and, it, and then they they come to get me off the wing because I was I was I was threatening him, you know, like, and he was saying, "When the door opens, son, I'm going to hurt you." I knew to shout a little bit harder, like you know, like you know, I want to come out. But so they was aware. I knew what I was doing. The screws, the prison officers was aware. Now, don't get me wrong, I would have done something. I would have got a stick. I would have done anything. But I knew physically he can do me. You know, you just know, right? And um. And they come and got me away. And then the last eight weeks was really thawing out. It was like sad, sad. Oh, poor me. Uh, and, you know, on the verge of getting out. And uh, and then I got out. And uh, my partner, Jacinta, as I said, that was when um, I went. So I'm a, I go home. I get home. My dad picks me up for some reason. I remember he's back somewhere. He's popped back in. Uh, he dropped me off at Jacinta's. I went to where she was living in Brixton Hill. And uh, she was writing a letter to me. You know, like sweet little thing. And I think, think of it. And, uh. And within two, three weeks, very early, I'd met a couple people who were speaking about cocaine crack because we knew about coke, but mm. I didn't know about crack. Like free basin. Mm. It wasn't that free. It cost a lot of money, but free basin was the word. The term they put it in a test tube, I can't a soda, wash it up, you know. And, and what happened, I'll tell you what, in London, what happened in the 80s about around then, there was, there was the, the kind of like a... You know, like the funky hippie type. I don't know. They had some heroin intravenously. We was aware that was about, but then it hit the so-called people who were just all in the area. Like you know, they was on the on the edge. They weren't really in the groups in London, and they was just getting their own little thing going. You know, like hippie to fight, and they get their heroin. But um, all of a sudden, it's like Bobby Kelber got killed. Um, the people that killed him, we knew, you know, he, he was selling drugs. He was selling drugs when I got out and me and him at this age, four, five, six, we used to play with each other. So when I heard he's out and he's selling the gear, the tackle, which was heroin, the were, I just had this. Oh yeah. But in Dover as well, a person brought it in and he gave me a line. I never forget the effects that had on me. (sighs) It solved the problem. It wasn't the drug. It was the effect of the drug. Heroin, give me the ease and comfort that was missing. It's like ready break. They say it's like ready break. And then, ding, I'm getting some more. All right. And as I say, Bobby had it. Someone I got, I got out now. I took it in the prison. Someone, Carlton Cameron. It's funny you remember the name. Uh, Carlton Cameron brought it in. We had a bit. I was out in a few weeks. And then Bobby was selling it. And then I give it, so I went to get some, a £10 bag back then. I bought it back to Jacinta. Now, obviously, that's not a nice thing to do. Heroin. I didn't really connect the dots that it was heroin. You don't. 
back then. You don't. It's on the foil because we weren't thinking needle. Fuck the needle. It was on the foil. Crack the cocaine now is in rocks because instead of uh, the, the free base back then, we used to get the powder and wash it up. I kind of missed that. The yardies done us the right favour. They washed it up into rocks back then, right? So next minute, the, these rocks are everywhere. In shops, we're going into shop, buying it, people in and out, just get, get a can of Coke. You know, buying three rocks, four or five, in and out. So that was when I kind of come out to the explosion of the heroin and cracker uh, experience, which was in the 80s, you know, which I often wonder, like, what happened then? I heard, I heard a couple of people in America saying something similar. Like, what happened then? You know, we know the Vietnam War. We know what's going on. We know a lot of them was on opium and stuff like that. What happened? You know, or like, whatever. I'm not really, again, a conspiracy theorist or wondering if government fucking done it. I ain't got the time to think because we know there's a lot of dogs out there. We know there's a lot of people that want us down. Um, but I ain't got the time to think like that. You know, even back then, I understand people who do. and We need people to, you know, to to help us and more people who are much more articulate than me, you know, who can who can get in and find out what shit's going on, you know, there's a level, isn't there? But I'm not at that level. I'm like this lower working class poverty, trying to make good. I'm in prison. I'm out. I'm now out. I'm now going to get heroin and crack with an abundance. How did it feel the first time you tried crack? Crack for me, it, it, was, um, it wasn't what a lot of people say uh, because we come into it on the smoking, on the foil. A lot of people go, oh, like, uh, that's a waste. Because people on the pipe love it on the pipe. But I had a stroke off it. So I so I ended up stopping, which I'll tell you that experience. Um, then I had to stop it. So, so I would boot, I would smoke it on the foil, right, the, the crack, and have the odd pipe. People around me are piping. Everyone now, my social circle is very much thieves, prostitutes even though I weren't connected much to the working girls got my own girl and then we had a daughter and even when my daughter was born like they all got lagging my family and I ended up fucking going mad at my mum and stuff and shouted at all because they was pissed I told them not to come to the hospital you know like pissed and they and her mum was funny lady and a bit of a drinker uh so you can see a bit a bit of a drama but um the crack the crack turned out to be prolific now. I've begun to take it more. So now when I'm thieving, so I've gone straight into burglary, right? With now a real passion. Before it was like to earn money to live. This now, you know, you need like, let's say minimum 50 quid. Let's be realistic. Let's not talk gangster shit. 50 quid a day is still a lot when you ain't got no money. Minimum. So like, then if you're doing the, the, the crack along with the heroin, you know, you're talking, you need quite a lot of money. And I've got two of us now. So when I brought it home for the very first time, not knowing what it really is, not even thinking crack's that bad. There was no education. Obviously, there wasn't because when it hit us, it just exploded. Next minute, we had a problem in bricks. And they talk about it like 15, 20 years later. Or back in the 80s, I don't think the police even knew. You know, they knew something's happening but didn't know how bad it was. And as I say, you go from Brixton, two, three miles to Camberwell, to, uh, to Elephant, to Owlsbury Estate, all in the hood, if you like, um, there'd be estates. Like North Peckham Estate was an estate three and a half mile radius. You didn't hit the floor if you didn't want to, if the police are after you. You go into the maze. The architect killed herself, by the way, because in the end, you put Erin and Crack on that environment, what do you think happened? It fucked us. You know, that's the only word I can describe. And uh, and it's the same with the Owlsbury estate. So it just corroded us all in London. You know, and and I and that's obviously speaking, and it's true, it did. 
obviously there's a lot of people that are just doing what they're doing in life. They're going to work. They're doing the best. They're earning money. Some people properties and do big, big load of of uh, of us though. You know, we're, we're really like on this downward spiral of crime and, and drugs. So heroin and crack, are you doing them separately or are you doing them simultaneously? I do them together. Like, I, I'm I'm a smoker. Up, and, up and a down now. Oh, yeah. I'm crazy, aren't I? That's just the way you do it. When you've got the money, you do it. You're buying what you're buying. You're not thinking rationally. You know, or I certainly wasn't anyway. Some people may have been rational, but I wasn't. I was just uh, impulsive, chaotic, and 100 miles an hour. So once I'm on that... There was no, there was no, there was no, you know, stopping me. I've got to get it. That's how, that's how it got. Obviously, then what would happen is your family then see it, and then my mother like used to like hold her bag when I was around, you know. So a light mm. for a tenner. I'd do my mum a favour. I'd say to her, I'd go in her bag. She's got hundred quid. I'd take twenty quid and think I'm doing you a fucking favour. You're lucky I didn't take it all. That was my thinking, because I'm hurt. See, you're growing up and you're hurt. Fuck everybody. Honestly, honestly, no, no, no. If people deny that and coming from where we're coming from, they miss that. They're going to be fucked as an adult. You've got to admit to yourself. You have to, there's an element of me helping others here as I speak. That needs to be explored because like, you know, what about the relationships? What about my sisters and brothers? You know, I didn't steal off them. My sister had a, like, you know, she was married to someone who had, who had a lot of brothers and that. Knew not to steal off her, but my mum, there was something about my mum that me and, and there's always that father, mother and son relationship. Well, I love her dearly, you know. Uh, we've had a relationship over the years. It's pure love and is often, it's, my mum ain't going to take shit off me. Even sometimes today, she still says her bit back. But the crack and the heroin was then what exploded, you know. As I say, now, now my partner's on it, um, which she got the habit with me. I got three months in. I got arrested for a burglary. It's my first burglary. So now I'm 19, coming up to 20, right? Now I'm still in the juvenile. So 21 and below, the man's prison's coming, right? So I'm, say, 20. Then from 18 when I got out, two and a half, three years on heroin and crack. Mainly heroin, because the heroin is the one that you function on. You need it because the habit is to the heroin. Crack is psychological. You're just going to go and smoke that shit, right? And there was a lot of... Then we go to the airport. There was things... Then I'd go over a professional team. Mark Anson. I went with him a few times, but again, I was mostly by myself and there was groups of them. So we go to the airport and that was kind of like a team and that would be then kind of like better money because Mark was the one that he was called Golden Bollocks. You know, there's all characters and names of people. And uh, so there would be like, all of a sudden, you got four grand, you got eight grand. And that's a lot of money back then. You know, four grand like now is like 40, for instance, nowadays. And uh, and I was smoke crack to the last penny would go. So that's what I mean. Whether I had a tenner or 20, whether I had a grand, whether I'd have whatever, it's just going. And then I'm trying to still put it together because I still thought other people were fucking mugs. Everyone else was the mug still, you know, like I still couldn't see me, you know, but really, did I? There was always that voice within. Oh, we've all got it. I don't care. Nothing to do with any, any ideology. It's more how that voice within. And I remember it often. Um, so so now 18 to 20. I've got now a, a habit, which means I'm addicted to it. Now the, the withdrawing and the clucking is coming. I don't know what it looks like yet. I've touched on it a couple of times, but I've always had the money to get it. Now I'm arrested. I go into the police station. I'm like an animal. You know, I remember it. It's like, <sighs> it began to come on me. And I started just fucking playing up mad. And the doctor and I just lunged for some, some tamazi pan. I lunged for it. I've actually got them, by the way. I've got to just swallow them. And then, they, and then the doctor like pressed the, the button and they come in and they 
like beat me up, whatever. And I'm just trying to fight back again. Fuck up. And uh, and in the cells, and I'm out of it. And the cells like that. Uh, in the morning, they're just oh, you little rats. And then Brixton Prison, this was, and I'll go to court, and I get cut it short. I get a result. I go guilty. I get three months. I'm twenty. Right. Uh, the next madness is happen is coming. Right. It's coming. Right. This was when it was just all right. This ain't all right. <laughs> if this happened to one person, one incident. It would be, it would be, you know, a really bad thing. I'm fucking having incidents all the time. I am an incident. That's all. That's what's just going on. So, so the judge gives gives me three months, and now the, the withdrawal's coming, right? Oh God, um, because the doctor gave me it in Brixton, you know, when I took the, the pills, and then once you're then in the court, and then you're going to Feltham. Now Feltham, we heard about Feltham for the for the Americans. It's more. As if, the, as if the Americans are over there. <laughs> Hello, Americans. Right, it's like, <laughs> right, it's like just aware of the Americans. Um, you know, so so uh, the first withdrawals come in, right? And it's it's horrific. It's like, it's like fuck. Some people are really going to the cell. I don't. I just you can see what I'm like now, and that's straight. Let alone when I was back then. I'm hundred mile an hour now to help people. I think you've got to keep that. I think you've got to have that passion. I think you've got to move into what, you know, that's my personality anyway. Um, so so uh, I'll never forget the bit in the in the, in the the YP, the, the young offenders bit. It was, it was up to 21. I'm withdrawing, but I remember having a nice ski jacket on, nice trainers, jeans. I'm looking at They're all fucking mugs. Look at them. Some like 18-year-olds there, 9-year-olds. Yeah, fucking, what are you in for? You know, like, you're nonce, like crazy <laughs> actually we had. Like, fucking. Fucking nonce, isn't he? He's not. He's not a nonce. <laughs> We're so quick to nonce him off. You know, however, we all know the explosion of that has all been, has, has, has come out over the last 20, 30 years, hasn't it? Sure but it was, all, yeah. it was, yeah, it was very much hidden a little bit back in the day mm. in the 80s and 90s, but it was all happening now. And a lot, everyone's fucking at it, aren't they? Celebrities, you know, everybody seems to be at it. And my mate went, he said to me, well, I love kids like I do. Can't it's like you can't even talk to a fucking kid because of the nonsense and it's everywhere now, isn't it? You know, and I wouldn't hurt them, but I did in prison. Now I'm grown, I'm grown up, I'm mature now, Sean. Um, you know, it wouldn't happen now. I'll tell you what happened with a nonce later on, as it goes. After I used to beat them up, we used to beat them up in the prison. Um, so anyway, I'm in the YP bit. So I'm, I'm going to the prison. I'm going to Feltham. Feltham is not a nice prison, right? There's, they should have closed it down years ago. Honestly, it's what's going on in there. It's bad because. Let, let me separate a little bit for for the Americans over there. The <laughs> Americans, they they they're very much the screws. The prisons uh, officers, they control them. They're in fucking chains, and, and we're not. So so the, if you're category A, a high security, you know, like shot someone, killed someone on a security van robbery, armed robber, kidnapping, it's a, you could be on the book, which is category A, right? But apart from that. They're not. We're really kind of free in in the prison system in England, you know, which is handy, isn't it? Poor fuckers going around in chains and chain, not walking around like that. Like we're not quite there yet, and let's keep it that way. Well, I ain't been away for fifteen years, so I'm not going back anyway. Unless I kill someone, I don't know. Uh, that's the only way I can see it happening. If someone fucks with me to the point where I just go, and I've had fifteen years, and then finally, you know, something. But no, the conscience is aware. I'm awake now. So, and I remember that in the YP bit there. Because I was nearly 21, I felt very much one of the gangsters. Like, you're all mugs. And there was this fella there in the middle. He had a, a yellow stripe for an escapee, and he was robbing people, right? And it was in a room, crazy, of about 60, 70 kids up to 21. 
and the prison because it was like a moving moving system. So it was like from the courts to vans take you all around London to this holding place. Then you get to the holding place, they put you in the rooms, and the the, the men over twenty ones are over there. I think I never forget. I think I should have been over there. I'm nearly twenty one. Even saying nearly 21, this shows you the sense of, like, childish thinking I had. But I thought, I fucking should be with the chaps over there. They put me in here for with these mugs. So I walk in, bowl into the room, big, massive room. But a lot of people, when the door opens, they see it's like 70 people. A lot of black kids, there's a few whites, a couple of Asians. Like, people, like, a lot of the black kids were terrified because there was a few, a uh, couple of white kids, a couple of black kids. But the mainly little black firm was robbing a couple of people. And, I, and I'd go, I'd like to fucking see you do it to me. Like, because I was withdrawing and I'd go the other way. Um, and there's people out there know my story. They was even there with it. You know, I didn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and in the end, what happened was someone could actually come in who I knew because he was robbing people. And as I said, what I said, I said, no one's robbing me or whatever. And, and then this man who I half knew, he made the mistake. The door got open. He just stands right next to the door. Right, that means they all looked at each other. Went because he showed signs of fear, and as they went to him, I just got involved. Bang! No one really threw punches. I just was moving them about like that. And there was one there, Jason from Bermondsey, who was a black guy who was London Cockney. He started speaking, "You blood clot," like a fucking Egypt. He wasn't like Patwa speaking. His parent, he was English black kid, and he was my mate. You know, and, I, and, I, and then I see Jason, and he went, "You don't know me." I went, "I fucking do know you." What are you speaking like that for? Like I remember, so, and, and then the main robber went, oh, there's only one man in here that I ain't fought yet. And like, see, I look back and it, it's all crazy. Um, but no, I, I, I just was reactionary. You know, you're withdrawing. You're not good. It's crazy. And then, and then uh, you know, I help him. I go to the, the prison, felt him. And that was when, uh, then it was the prison officers then. Then it was them. Because I already had that experience from uh, Dover YP, the young offenders during my year in there out of the 18 months. I've done this three months and that three months I've done uh, it's eight weeks you do so I with I actually I got a visit with drugs on it by the way um, so it meant I had heroin in the prison uh, and I managed to deal with that like habit wise so I suffered with withdrawing for the first week or two and then I started organising things and I got it, I got it in uh, and then me and Jason the Bermondsey boy who didn't know what fucking day it was gas or electric uh, he didn't know what it was nor did I uh, and then, and we we was doing the gear and then uh, and then I get I get out basically um, and and again now it's into the next level of what what I can do for money what's the next step to do maybe I should start selling it you know maybe I should do armed robberies maybe because now not that you learn when you're in prison people say you learn well you don't really it's bullshit everyone's talking bullshit I hope there's people watching this listening to this that like it's going to be put off by you're going to get hurt mate you know if if you're not sticking up for yourself you're going to get hurt i've seen in prisons i've been cleaner in the prison when i've seen them having sex and it's not having sex big old billy over there is doing her you know and it's a boy it's about two men i'm just saying that you will you will have things happen to you if you're listening to this and you're straight and you're a bit influenced by the books because i was influenced by the books we had cratering. I'm not putting anybody down, but that story of the gangster life, it was just all a lie. I remember reading the books and being like interested and yearning for, oh, like, you know, something should happen here and being by these characters. And there's always a glamour around it. You know, it's, 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 not, uh, it's not real. 
you know, and the Richardsons and the Cray Twins and the Nashes and Freddie Form. I love Freddie Foreman. I know Freddie. Um, he's he's a nice old boy uh, out of the old school. He was the one that would do all the 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 most the the most robberies with. Like, he he was always involved with it. That that was a story. So if you ever like people like the way the way they talk about somebody at robbers in America, he was someone that. How did you know Freddie? Uh, just in our South London. Uh, and when there's the jewellery shop in Tulls Hill where we used to go in Brixton Hill, he used to sit in there with the boys. If you didn't know, you wouldn't have known. But he was sitting there and uh, and he was always a nice man. And he was. He, they had the certain principles, them lot. They did. They did. Um, not all of them, you know, but he he had something about him. Um, and, and, he, and he brought up his children pretty well and stuff like that. So I'm aware. Like every family, there's probably issues there. I've grown up, so to speak, now. And um, but yeah, he was he was an influence along with all them boys. So again, why I do what I do today, helping others. That's the role models we need. Someone not the gangster. We need the normal, sane, realistic, hard work ethic. People are not realizing that. The same principles what you spoke about that you said about like the same principles of drug dealing can be turned around. Like it's like why go along this fucking journey? Because it's getting worse out there. It's not any better, you know. It's not any better. That's why we got to do what we got to do now. This is what it is. It's about altruism. But it's about the experience. What this story is about. Something happened to me. You know. It's not about the, the gangster life. Of course, it's, it's, it's the stories are funny. They are, and you look back, but there's always an un- an underlying, you know, sadness involved for everybody. How the community is just fucked. How they leave us, really. If you're in that area, because then you got cl- middle class and upper class, and they suffer too. Because I used to think they were all mugs as well. I did. I used to think, I'll rob them. I'll, I'll fucking burgle their house. I'll take their money. Fuck them. Like, you know, like, obviously that's not true <laughs> you know like i've since i've since them now and i'm now associating with uh, the wealthy people now sean <laughs> oh you know i have clients i've got private jet where i've been in a few times and my clients true it's true well back then it was a terrible terrible attitude uh so the prison officers become a, a target for me now um i finish off that three-month sentence with a habit i come out i turn 21 within 18 months i'm back in so I had a reign of just over, let's say a year and a half, where I, I was out. I was out for a year and a half, right? We had a flat. This is when uh, Jacinta and me, we got a flat down in Bricks and Dorset Road. And this is where my mate, it's funny, it's just coming to me. Things are coming to me. Uh, my mate who I was in Dover with, the year that I'd done my first long 18-month sentence, he actually, I saw him out my flat, 21, 22 now, and I see Paul. Right, he'd got out, I'd got out, a year went by, and uh, he was looking for me. He heard I lived on this road. He had a tennis ball of heroin, right? And I was only, you know, now I'm out a little while. Now I'm playing with, like, just, you know, £20 bits, £30 bits. I'm trying to hold it down, but then you don't. Then you go and earn a bit of money, right? So then I'd buy an ounce, things like that, or half ounce. So now I'm trying to manage it, because now you've got to get your thinking straight and it's not straight as we know because you're chasing your towel anyway but i would do that occasionally so if i go and get a grand i might buy an ounce of, of brown heroin uh use my crack alongside it i'd buy that and then as it's going down sometimes i just think oh fuck it and just go out again to work my my idea of a job in thieving was let's go to graft work we called it work you know, that is obviously a delusion of how we, we speak, you know, in London. Let's go to work. 
yeah what should we do you know let's go for like Sal's job let's go like you know over the, work in a bar I don't give a fuck where you work like my work was going to Rob you know what I mean that, that's that, how it was described and um, so from that you know relatively not a lot of money what I'm, what I'm working with Paul comes along with 12 ounces that's a, a jump that's 12 times more than what I'm working with so from an ounce I've got 12 that's a lot when you're doing it in 10 pound bags you've now moved to 30 40 50 grand people like telephone numbers they say yeah i earned that no you didn't you're a liar you know only a percentage of people was going out earning hundreds of grands you know the faces they talk they call them the faces like, you know the gangsters or whatever word they use who who are, who are, this was their job genuinely we was in this community of drugs and and heroin and and what happened, even them people in the end who were faces, they started taking the heroin. Do you understand? And they was all undercover with it. So it become, for me, this is going on everywhere. This isn't just in the ghetto. This isn't just over there. This is everywhere that, that, that's happening. And, um, and I ended up selling, obviously, drugs and then selling that. So now I'd have some more money, right? Um, I would then sit back a little bit. I would then sit back. I'd try and relax a little bit, but it don't like it didn't last. Mm. Didn't last, right? Um, the crack binge that I had, which was the one where I got a stroke from, which was when I was twenty three. Um, so it was on the back end of that money. That money then went, and then I went on a bur- right. I was, I'll say the story. Uh, little Joey, someone I know, grew up with around Brixton. Um, he he come round see me i've got five pound right we kind of would see each other and say let's do something so it's straight away to feed feed something he said what you got, what you got? i said oh, nothing fiver he said let's see if we can get a 10 pound bag off ronnie right and uh i went oh, all right then he said i'll get it off him don't worry i'll own a fiver whatever just just to start the days have a little smoke take the edge off so you're not withdrawing to get and get money there's nothing behind me. There's no savings account. You know, mm. there's nothing in the bank. <laughs> there's no bank account. You know, it's just out to do this. So he, so he goes, he goes to see Ronnie, and I wonder where he's gone. Where is the little fucker gone? Um, he lives up Streatham Hill. Brixton Hill's just, you know, here. Streatham's like twenty minutes away. I walk up to his house. I go around the back. He's not there. He was probably there. But he, he, I, I just fucking hell. So I just turn and thought, what can I do? Um, literally across the road because it was just instantaneous. It was just naturally I've got to do something. Uh, I went to the, to the very first house I remember across the road. I went to the very first of the detached houses so you could go down the side. And I looked down like that and it was a, like a computer sign and the, and the man was down there and I, I went, oh, sorry, sorry, like that. And he just kind of looked at me. I went two houses along. As I'd gone down the side, the door's open. So it's, the door's open. This is fantastic for a burglar. The door's open. Uh, and on the table was a satchel. Like that. Right, it's just standing there. And I'm here, whatever. There's a distance. There's, a, there's four or five foot. I've gone up to the satchel. Oh, picked it up. As I turn now, I'm facing the street, right? The door's open, as I said. Bang, 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 bang. Stairs. Turn around. It's a 12-year-old. He's Italian. I don't know why. I just went, it's police, son. Like that. And he just looked at me and went, mummy, mummy, robber, robber, robber. And I run. I run, I got uh, onto the street, got onto the estate where Ronnie was, where my little mate Joey was going to get, because he sells heroin. I got onto the estate there. But just as I, I phoned him, and then, and then uh, just as I 
thought, oh, let me have a look in it because in the bag there was £15. So that's why I phoned you for a bag. I've just thought £15. But there was about 30 cards in it. And this person had at least 13, 14 pin numbers. And it was all in, in the glasses. The gla- you know, So I opened up. The, it was the last thing as well. So I was oh, sweating, clucking, withdrawing. I know I need this next bit, a bit of money. The tenors for £15 will get me out of trouble. But this meant... I can't tell you how much I got. I know it was probably around 30 grand. 30 grand in a young person at 22, 23 back then was probably 200 grand now. So 150, something like that back then. And I lost some along the way. I was panicking because each one you get 250 out of. So like I'd, I'd have like three grand just through them 12, 13. I remember losing one because I'm panicking at Brixton Tube Station where the cash point is with all this money going up to the cash point. <laughs> Manic. And, uh, and anyway, so what happened is I phoned Ronnie up. He's got a partner. And there's a man called Lee who was there. There's four of us. I remember just turning around and saying, do you fancy getting a few rocks? That was it, right? So now I've got this amount of money. You know, looking back, I thought I was in some form of control. Mm. You're not realising it's just horrific. Um, We smoked for eight days, right? I had a stroke. I had a stroke, right? And me and Lee had the money. We all fell out. We all fell out of each other as well. Skull gave me a clump. Something happened. All young stuff. I felt guilty. Kid was giving snout. I got all the money. Lee's got the money. Um, it's mad. Lee was saying thing, fucking it to him. You're getting paranoid of little bits on the table, you know. And um, and and I and this was the bit when when I had to, I was going blue. Apparently, my mouth was going blue, and I couldn't breathe down the left hand side. And it's like, oh fucking hell. And I didn't say anything. You know, like no, look at your face. That's how I would. I'll say you all right, Sean. Like 22, 23, I've got my fucking image to fucking uphold. I can't be vulnerable. Right? Lunatic. And the girl, it's funny, the girl, the woman, who's got that soft touch. She went, Julian, are you all right? It was almost like I needed that. She, I went, no. She said, your lips are going blue. Fucking <laughs> hell. Right? I said, can I have a rest? I slept for a day. One day. Like, no lie coming out of my mouth here. One day, I remember, because it was like I was shocked by the fucking, the day is gone. Eight days of smoking. What the fuck else? Didn't hardly eat. We didn't hardly eat. We bought bits and pieces along the way, obviously. Because uh, the money was, you'd go to the cash point again one minute past 12. Do you understand? You didn't have the whole 30 grand at once. If I, was, if I weren't using drugs, I would have had 30 grand and spunked two, three grand on drugs. And if I wasn't on heroin or crack, then I would have had this money. You were smoking it. You weren't fucking thinking about your next investment. Your next inve- investment was who had the better crack. You know, that was it. And, uh, and, I, and I woke up, as I say, and, then, and, and they'd come in with a pipe. And now there was Mark Anson, who said earlier, who's passed away now. He came in with a pipe. He woke me up with it. And when I took it, I knew not to take it, right? He kind of gave it to me. And I went, <sighs> I felt from that moment on, Something like a twinge. Every time I took a pipe, which was, you know, the bottle, what they do, right? 23. Never touched it again in that way. I'd done it on the foil. So I thought the best way for me to do this is on the foil. It's more easier. Those that know means it's longer to smoke with the crack pipe. One lick, gone. Right? And the next one, gone. On this, you can put £20 on. You can have 10, 15, 20 minutes doing it. 
So I decided to more do it that way because of that experience. I felt it. And then I tried it again. Like I tried, you know, say six months later, someone said, I have a pipe. And then as, as I went to do it, I remember the same feeling, the sensation. So something reacted in me, which was good, really, because then I didn't touch mm. crack, you know what I mean? I'd smoke, so it done me a favour, mm-hmm. but not with my own will. My own will was I want to fucking smoke it, but I just couldn't do it that way no more, mm. you know? And I was watching others around me, like, you know, in, in injecting. People started losing limbs. What made you not inject? I did a couple of times. I did, but I probably got hepatitis that way. But like, I, I, someone done me a few times. Like, I remember I was, I, don't know, I better not mention his, his name because he's still active. But um, I had a go, but I was a smoker. So I, I don't deny that I had a go. It's easy to say, no, I didn't inject. But I did. I did. But I didn't know how to do it myself. So it was easier just... If I bump into this this fella, uh, or then we'd go out together. He he would do it, but then I'd smoke. You know, like I'd have a go, kind of thing. And then what you don't, what you're not realizing, what people don't want to talk about, is the spoon that it's in, the the cigarette uh, tip. When they suck it from the, what's the end of a cigarette? What's it called? Filter. Filter. When the filter's in the spoon, it's actually already contaminated. So when you put the needle on it. Someone who's got hepatitis, which was fucking everybody, a lot of people had it, you're getting contaminated. Because it's not like HIV where blood, once it hits the air, it dies. Hepatitis, it was an outbreak, you know, and people didn't know, and we now know that. So I got hepatitis back then, but I didn't know then. Uh, it lays dormant, it's slippery, it's a killer, all the rest of it, you know. Like I got so lep- is this hepatitis C then? Hepatitis C. I got left with cirrhosis now. So I've got to be vigilant now. And I'll tell you what happened as we moved into the recovery years. But um, so so really, like, there's a there's still a few more, st- quite a lot of stories, Sean. Um, I escaped out of a dock and prison and stuff like that. But um, So that then meant that I had to go thieving. And I remember where I had a fight with, an, with another, uh, after I left that situation, right? And I remember, like, everyone's gone now. Like, the money's gone. It's like the morning after the night before. Like eight, nine days of madness, had the feeling of the stroke, the money's gone. Right? There was no like giving it to fucking because I'd split up with Jacinta then. I was 23, 22. I hadn't got into the, the that story of what happened there, but really it's a sad story. And uh, and she has family and I don't but I split up with her because she she was on drugs like I was and she made a couple of mistakes like I did, and that's something I would not want to be saying about her, you know, but God rest her soul, you know, she she experienced some shit and uh, and I had to split up with her and I had to go and get my daughter out of that situation. I had to go into a, a yardy fucking crack house with some heavy people, yeah? It's not a lie, it's the truth. And I didn't give a fuck because it had to happen because my daughter was in there. She's 18 months old. And people saying, when he gets out, meaning me, he's going to do something because this little firm, there was three brothers and then there's others around it and there was door with gates on it. So I am fucking coming out and I don't care. They might be able to do me something. I'm not pretending. I've never pretended that I'm anything, right? I'm just by myself. I've always been that way, right? And some of the other stories of violence in the prisons happened after, you know, because I'm only 22, 23. Here. That was just the beginning. There's some more to come. I ain't even started, you know, really, the truth be known. It's all coming to me, you know. But like, I, I, I went into that and, and that situation and there was only one brother there. And, and uh, some other, so, and they went, all oh, right. I could see that was a bit shook. Done me a favour, give me a bit of confidence. If there would have been quite a few in there, I might have gone into that situation, but I got out 
And I remember going up to her, the house, and I so I knew them. Do you know what I mean? It weren't like I didn't know them. But what I'm saying is Jacinda was attached to that group, so it wasn't very healthy. And me and certain person had to be careful because he's kind of like feeding her drugs now. So do you understand? He manipulated her, very beautiful young girl. But my fucking daughter's there, and Jacinda is there. But I'm a bit uncomfortable with the situation. But I've got to get her out, and um, and and and, and got her out. I fucking did. Right? It took a day. You know what I mean? Like, but and, and I remember the main one comes in. All this drama, like heavy dude. These dudes were killers. You know, these dudes were like, like they were murderers. There's, there's that. That's it. You know, like. But there was always an element of before the gun is the principle, whatever it is. So like, it's like he knew that I was there and I was right for what I went, what I was experiencing. He was feeding her drugs. He's bringing, you know, that's not your fucking job. You know what I mean? So I had to face it and, and, and I got her out of there. Uh, I then got her basically into a rehab and I didn't know, you know, you look back and it was 23 and I got into a fucking rehab and like, I was just active still. And I was saying to her, no, me and you split up. We have to, you know, where we're both at. I was talking like that, my daughter, you know, and, and I got into a rehab. Well, as mad as a March hair, I remember. Like, I, I'd, I sometimes, all of a sudden, have beautiful clothes. Like, I'd nick someone's fucking whole wardrobe up in Kensington. Like, their suits, you know what I mean? Like, and I, it's Armani, by the way, the Americans, the Yanks, <laughs> right? Like, you know, that's what we do now. It's, it's tailor-made. Uh, no, back, so I would, I'd nick, uh, nick uh, their suit. Next minute, I'm in a suit. And people were like, so I'd always spun people's heads a little bit because I wasn't down. I'd have to come back again. And when you get nicked and you're in and out of prisons, you've got a chance again. You've got to come in out again. I'm not just scared. Oh, I don't want no money. I don't want to really feel it. I fucking had to feel it. You do the crime, you do the time, the old saying, you've got to do it. You don't, you don't want to do it, but you do it. And, uh, and you know, and I took her to the rehab. I remember in a suit. My hair was just all over the gaff. And, um, and, and I put her in now. So now... That was the last bit, wasn't it? If you think about the emotional attachment, which I didn't have any understanding to speak of, an emotional awareness side of it, Sean. Um, I was helping her. Didn't have a fucking clue. It was all about me, but I tried my best to help her. Uh, and then now, when that, when, that, when that link severed, 16 to 22, I'm 23 now, I haven't got that responsibility. I went fucking even more crazy, I, which I didn't really understand. I was totally free with all the underlying feelings of the past from parents, from they split up, from my for the first love of my life, to the next experience, which is I'm on fucking heavy hitting drugs here. I'm I'm now done possibly two and a half years in prison for coming on to three. I remember doing another eighteen months for burglary. Do you know I done it? It's all in my fucking my previous history in the book I've got. Uh, it's not published yet. It's just finished. It's ready to go. But it's all there. So you show it shows the in and out. It shows the jumping around, jumping around, in and out of prison, and uh, and you know, and off I really went in, in into the system even more now. Right? Um, there was a crazy, really crazy because that was a heavy situation going in to get her. By the way, right? That was really heavy. There's some bits I couldn't really say there, like which was a bit of violence, which went a bit over the top. Well, you know, which which caused consequences, which caused us all to like disperse stuff like that, and so all just madness stuff. But I'm now just carrying on burgling, get some more money, and I'll go home to my mum now. So I'd go to mum, she'd look at me like an amazement. I remember I'd be like on the floor in the front room, out of my night of heroin, like fucking crack, the foil, everything around me in the front room. I've got everyone else who's younger. I'm the oldest brother. Anna's married, you know, three year at home. And I'm like, 
I'm like, eh. and she'd come in and she'd go, be Jesus. She's Irish. She'd go, be Jesus. What have I done here? Like, I'll go, and I'll go, well, what's the matter? <laughs> what's the matter with you? Kind of thing. And she's going, oh, no, like, you know, poor mum, you can imagine what she's thinking. Like, you know, what's happened to him? I'm fucking all right. It's you. It's your fault. And, um, and you know, and I'd and she'd always get me something to eat. She'd slow me down a little bit, but then in the morning, up I get, <clears throat> off I go, right? And I'll go into the area. So, like as I say, the drug dealers, I'd rob them. I've got known for doing that. Not not like every single one. I'll rob them. You know, like if I if I'm going to score and there's a few of them there, and I, and he's and he's left us waiting for a little while. I'd fucking rob him, you know, that was because he left us waiting. People would be shocked when it would happen. But it's not like a professional robbery. It's not been set up. He's just got some bags on him in about £10 bags. And I was like, give me that. You know, and then someone else might be there who's game, you know, me and him. So let's rob him when he comes. So it's very mad because then these people, I've got friends that, that the, the dealers come back and kill them. Like, you know, like, so you know, I look back and something, someone was looking after me, you know, because... I kind of went through it. I, I, I got away. I'm here. Look, I'm alive. I'm here. Um, and then, and then, arrested again. Burglary, right? So the judge from the past was like, and Julian comes from a result of a broken marriage in the probation, right? Uh, you know, at 12 years of age, you know, his mother uh, went to the hospital. His dad was a womanizer. But you're fucking saying it in your 20s now. It's carrying on. But finally, the judge recognised because my own family could see. I got dealt with harshly because I wasn't an informer. People say you're on the drugs. You're an informer. You're this. You've got a bad name. Oh, personally, I wasn't. You know, my history's in the history. And then the judge could recognise that I hadn't given a, I hadn't been given a break. So from the 12 years of age when I got, like, attempted uh, ABH and then um, the attempted theft of a motor, motor vehicle, you're not going to prison for that. The very next one, ABH, 4 at 15, I got reminded into custody. Got bail and then got the 18 months where I told you that I was at 17, right? So that meant I didn't get probation. I didn't get, I got straight, straight to prison. Normally, you, you don't go straight to prison, you know, unless you've done a serious crime, you go in prison. But the little things that's leading up to your career, you know, um, you get a chance. So the judge gave me my first chance at 26, right? Go to rehab. So I'm in the prison. You do all what you've got to say. The, the, you go and see the drug people in there. You write down, right, you, you want to go to, yes, yes, yes. And instead of prison, they say, right, well, you want to go to a drug rehab. I went to this drug rehab. It's pointless talking about the rehab, bro. I'm going to tell you what happened. This is so crazy, right? Um, <laughs> I, go to the, I go to the rehab. I eventually, after six or seven weeks, I hook up with a girl, as you do, right? Um, and we use... From the first person, a, a scouser, a Liverpudlian, comes in. He, he said, do you want a bit of gear? I said, yes. He gives me the gear. So much for the step one stuff. We admitted to ourselves and we were a power. So much for that. I wasn't ready. There was no God consciousness, which means true self. That's what it means. Like, that I weren't ready. A decision hasn't been made yet. Fuck the decision. Yeah, come on, bring it on. And we go and smoke it. Downstairs like that. You had a bit of gear, June? No. Right? It's back. It's scratching. You know, it's on me. Um, and me and her, we're in love now. You know, two maniacs, an outpatient facility. You know, we fall in love. You know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, right? Her boyfriend, who was married, by the way, he comes in to see her. He sees me. He's in his 30s. He's jealous of me. I look at him and say, you fucking mad. I'm a fucking lunatic. He was a multi-millionaire. She was getting money off him for nothing, like just to ram him or whatever she was doing. And me and her, she's posh, she's lovely. <laughs> 
<laughs> She's lovely. Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. I hope Jenny watches this. I haven't seen her for 20 years, mate. And she was lovely. She visited me in prison. Uh, and everything was great for a while. She got nicked bringing drugs into the prison. We ain't started yet. We ain't even started yet. <laughs> Straight, all's true. God is my judge. Um, so, so I leave you, Jenny. He's heartbroken. I say, how the fuck you're married with kids? You know, Jenny was really sexy. You know, she's 25. He's 45. I'm 24, 25, 26. Well, around that age, right? We're in the rehab. Um, and, and I leave first. We meet in London. I tell her to meet in London. Right. I get a hostel. I have to do something. I would have gone straight normally to my mother's. But this time, because I know she's coming out, I go to a hostel. So I go to the process of saying, you're home, just got out of prison. I get a hostel. I pick the love of my life up, Jenny. We're going to go into the sunset. We're going to get married probably soon. Um, you know, have children. She comes out. Lovely. I haven't got a pot to piss in. She's got 600 quid. I'll never forget it. £600, I thought, result. I'm going to use her money, right? She could, but I didn't really just take it off her. She was buying bits and pieces. And then and this is what happened. One day is about 10 days have gone by, right? Normally I'll get my own money. Normally I haven't got, you know, I don't need anyone. Normally, and I've and I got up one morning a bit earlier, like, and she's in bed fast asleep. And I say, Jenny, come on, like, get out, get out, get some gear. She went, when I'm ready. What? <laughs> Did you see the moment in my eye? I went back there. I went back there. I went, we'll fucking see about that. And I went out, right? And I never see the mad thing straight across the road to the houses that are in Kings Avenue, Brixton Hill at the back, which is nice, nice uh, area. Some parts of Brixton are all right, especially now, all these years later. Then now, it's now really nice in Brixton. I go straight down the side. I don't even really see who's to my right in the next garden, right? As I look, as I go in, I go to, I make a bit of noise at the window because I went into their, to their, uh, you know, their garden bit to get a shovel or something. I can't remember if it was a shovel. Whatever I got, I'm doing the window and it went pop. And as it went pop, a man next door went, excuse me. I went, yes. Like that. And he kind of, went, oh, like he, he reacted to me to say, yes, what you, like as if, and he went, oh, he must have, obviously, I got down, I run, right? He phoned the police. As soon as I was that CID burglary squad, these type of people, as soon as I'm about 200 yards, I see them all pull up to go into the house. So he's obviously, that's how quick, obviously, it was, right? But luckily, obviously, I left, right? I go straight into my, my, an estate in Brixton, Blenheim Gardens, and, and I walked past a lady with a staff. I saw her. I didn't think much. I go and do a right, and I never forget my mate lives there, Shane. I ain't seen him for years and years. Opposite is a staff with the window open, right? That house is the gangster of the estate. That's his house. Shane told me, right? He told me when, when I was in prison, right? This is later on. So cut it short. I get into that window. I flop in and I just drop down, right? I can't get out of the kitchen. There's a 17 grand ring in a box in the food cupboard. And there's four pound notes. For me, that's the right result. I got a 17 grand ring, which I got three grand for. I should have got like 10 for it. But, you know, three grand's all right, right? I got the four 20-pound notes, which was under a pot. So I go back to Jenny. So I go, I cash it in. I, not the ring, not the ring. I got the 200 quid. I got the ring on me. Oh, I didn't know it was that. The, 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 um, it's a solitaire. It's about three carats. So, you know, I pretty probably was worth more. But, like, the wording was, oh, Junior's got, like, a 17 grand ring. Like, so I went up to one of the chaps on the estate, you know, and they looked at it and he said, no, I'll give you a grand for it. I said, I know it's worth more than a fucking grand, you know, because the size of the solitaire, I knew I'd better get it looked at. So I bought the brown, the heroin and the crack with the 200 and went back to Jenny. It's a story with this, yeah? 
There's a middle end, so a big beginning, middle end, and end. Back to prison, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we smoked again. I say, look at this ring. And I say, you think I'm a fucking mug, do you? Fucking, you tell me, wait for you. I fucking got it now. I didn't say it like that, I'm exaggerating. But, you know, I had the money now. I got the ring. She oh, look. Right, so we finish it and we go to Hatton Garden. I cash it in. Anyway, I think it was 2800 whatever. 2800 again, 25 years ago. It's a nice chunk. It's about 15 grand, 20 grand now. Um, and and we we do that, right? Right. The time frame here from me and Jenny leaving the rehab. Remember how I get in there? through the court right court right court says you go to rehab so i've got this following me now haven't i because i've left the rehab so what about the probation it's all accountability isn't it well where is he well i'm not going to turn up to you i'm going to probably get nicked that's how i'll then get caught right and this is what happened sean right (laughs) so rehab i leave with jenny she she meets me i get this money i smoke it right we're smoking it and then i get arrested for this experience i'm near the hostel i go up to um in the area i go up i see a window open um i get in uh, there's someone in the bedroom i quickly take the video the video back then videos and we're going back some now we videos right uh and there's a little bits and pieces little scrap bits of gold not much just a little bit uh some mostly shit you just i just took it because like there was someone in well, the video is going to get me my money, right? Because I've got none, right? So it's going to get me something. Well, what happened when I went into the shop just at the top of the road, right? He'd already seen me, this this dude in the shop before. He knew that I owed I owed someone some money, just this, this man in the shop. he So he seen me on the street, but then he didn't, couldn't believe it when I come in his shop then. So he's already told someone, right, who's a grass, basically. Mm-hmm. Phone the police. I've gone in with the video, Basically, I get away because, like, I, he says I don't want it. So I leave. Next minute, right, all the police have come down down where I was, right, and arrested me on the street. Right. So I'm arrested. This is the time of taking into consideration TICs, the, the, the police. You're either going to, I don't get bail. So you're going to either be an informer, a grass, a snitch, or you're going to do a deal for TICs, taking into consideration, which I'd never done. This means that you go in for handling because the charge i would have been arrested for was handling because i would never admit to the burglary because i'd done a burglary i got the stuff from a burglary handling bearing in mind this is what i went in for right right so um police knew you know what i mean uh, come on son they went why don't you just give us some tics we give you some bow, we'll give you time to sort her out. They're talking all their, their words, right? I'm in the hostel with her you know like come on she's waiting for you um and i end up Walking out of the police station, not one handling, two burglaries and 44 TICs. That means 46 burglaries. I didn't do. Hear why? The police didn't look back further enough. Yes, there could have been a three-month period where I could have done them. But the three months I could prove I was in prison. Mm. They didn't look back enough. So I thought, result, I'm going to take this deal. But that's insane still. I'm still fighting for another day. That's all I'm doing. I'm fighting for another day. I could have just, you know, like as a normal, but I wasn't normal. I just wanted to get out, right? So I knew I was fighting for another day, right? So I was bowed for nine weeks, right? I go back to Jenny. Oh, like great, I'm out. Like lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, turn up in court nine weeks later, 
right? I've got heroin, crack on me. I've had a good whatever. I'm ready to go, right? Prison, right? I'm ready to go, whatever. Um, it's called a lay bench in London, right? They got a lay bench of three magistrates. The three magistrates was listening to the prosecutor, like 44 burglaries, two burglaries, 44, and he's on unconditional bail, right? I'm in the dock. To my right is the door. There's people have heard what's happened. So like Jenny and a couple of us in the dock, uh, behind me in the dock, in the public gallery. The door is there to leave. Ten yards away from me. So I'm in the dock. The magistrates, mm, yeah, yeah, is there any, any, Mr. Sheriff, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, unconditional bail. Going to remind you in, they didn't get custody out. This is a big, I just skipped the dock, out the door. As I turned to go out the door, I faced the prison officer that's on the desk. To my, so he's over there. I've got to go out the door, down the stairs, to my left. It's only around the corner from me, 10 yards. He seen me shit himself. I'll tell you why. Because as he's come running to me, you know, I just went like that. I kind of even missed him. I kind of went like that. And he just dived. Dived on the floor. <laughs> I heard he was off. We didn't see him again. I think he got <clears throat> sick pay and all that. I went out the door. Down the bottom of the stairs. The spinning doors like that. Everyone run after me. <laughs> right, I'm out the door. Boom, gone. <laughs> Fucking, we live Campbell Green. Campbell Magistrates Court. Campbell Green. Like We live there. I just shot around the corner. Fucking helicopter. But by the time an helicopter, I'm already, they don't know, they haven't got my heat. There's everybody, do you understand? I haven't been, they've just got it swinging about. I just stay in the block. As as I remember turning the corner, two prisoners were trying to run, trying their half best. But they weren't going to come. They're in the area now where we are. The ghetto, but yeah, they're in the area. I kind of went like that and then turned the corner, like give them a little wave. And uh, and then I, I just went waiting in the block, right? Um that then was, uh, I'm now away. I'm free. I waited for a little while. I then slipped up to my mum and told my mum, right, it's on the news, right? Um, <laughs> dangerous fucking, like, I didn't see myself as dangerous, right? Probably something to do my behaviour with the authorities. Not like just the crime, you know. I, I, there was no, like, dodgy thing with me. There was just crimes in the community for money. There wasn't no disgusting crimes, you know. Like, I'm not saying burglary and theft and stuff like that is good. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, but like, why did they say that? But like, it was to do with being unpredictable. They had me down one minute being really rational and can express myself. I get clean in the prison and I might get a little education job. All of a sudden, I just fucking turn on someone because they've said something that I've perceived. I was a bit of a deep thinker. <laughs> Sitting in your fucking cell, you got all the time to want to think. What did that fucking bastard say again? <laughs> so you're just thinking a lot, aren't you? And uh, and and, and um, so I, I obviously um, uh, I go, so I go, I go, so hold on, yeah, 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 yeah. So what happens two days later? Remember now, I met my mum's. I've escaped, escaped. I've gone up to my mum's. Two days later. I end up Jenny, I meet her, right? She said, fucking hell, you know, from the jump in the dock and all that. I felt like a fucking face. Now jump in the dock, yeah, I've escaped now, right? Yeah. And I got grassed up up a crack house. So where am I going? Look, crack house. I'm not going. I should have stayed at Mom's and kept it down. But I had to meet her. I didn't know where she was. No mobile phones then. This is going back some 25 years. Yeah. 25 years, yeah. Um, so meet her in Brixton, go up to this crack house. I've got a little something on me, and then not much, like 30, 40 quid to buy something. Smoking, this person grasped me up mm. and the police come in, right? And not only that, right? 
uh, oh no no I had the drugs didn't I, I had, that's it I had the drugs what well, I went to the, uh, the, the the court with I had the drug that's right and uh, why I say it because I remember I had five little wraps in a shirt pocket the police got the 44 wraps I got arrested at the crack house so I hit the prison right this is you get it's confusing I uh, 44 burglaries with two that they're going to charge that, that I'll get charged with with 44 taken into consideration, right? I jumped the dock. They caught me up the crack house with 46, 48 bags of heroin. And I've got five that they missed, right? I'm withdrawing. So they've got this. And that means I'm charged now with the burglaries, possession intent to supply heroin. Back then, you was getting like eight years for just supplying, right? So I'm now with the burglaries. I haven't even really done anything, I thought. What have I done? You know, I haven't done fuck all. What have I done here? Like, I didn't really do anything because I admitted to the burglaries that I didn't do. I got nicked for one, which was, would have been a handling. I would have gone guilty and just got nicked for handling. Because of my insanity, all them burglaries I've got to go up for, now the persistent supply heroin, that's a big charge back then. Now on its own, it's a big charge. And then I go back to the prison, right? And people looked at me like, what the fuck, man? Like, what happened? I don't know, right? Within, let's go straight to the point. Within a month, Jenny gets nicked for bringing in heroin, you know. Um, and I end up having two trials. It was, you know, when you, how can I explain? You're, you're, you're now clean. I'm trying to get gear in there, but it's not like the street. You, you're, near, you're more or less clean. You get the odd bit in there. But as the depositions, which means the paperwork starts coming through, well, told my solicitor, well, look, check with the prison and Barleywood Rehab because I was in there when they said I'd done some burglaries. Even if it would have been one burglary that I was in prison, that one burglary would have shattered the whole 44 burglaries because that's a lie. The police are lying, right? They were just greedy. You know, they didn't even look. So I was in prison, do you understand? And the rehab when I'd done some of them burglaries. So that would have been pushed to the side. So what am I looking at now? Two burglaries? I was saying no. I didn't do two burglars. I've done one, right? I've done one. Finally, we admitted, I admitted to one. But now I've got the trial. I've got the trial for the, one trial, sorry. We, we organised on the burglaries. The second, the second uh, trial was the possession tends to supply heroin. And what I showed the court, it was very skillful, really. My mum was there, bless her heart. The, the police turned up as well. A whole fucking crew of them turned up. They fucking hated me, they did. Right, they turned up. Now, I was saying this, let's say a six-month period. Let's say I can show you I was in prison. 44 burglaries, two burglaries that I'm charged with, possession to supply 44 bags of heroin. What the fuck am I? Am I a burglar or am I, or am I a drug dealer? I could show you I was only out for three weeks. The jury obviously see the truth. Why did you have the wraps? I was selling it, of course I was. But like, you know legally my legal thoughts was you know the way we think is i wasn't selling it i was just like knowingly concerned which is what it come down to so i did get off it concerning the possession intent to supply i showed the jury the steps that i took that i admitted to these burglaries what you're not supposed to you're supposed to go into a court and don't admit to nothing but i thought i might as well show the court the truth i'm a drug addict this is when it was getting now something was happening in me this is bollocks my life this ain't good but I've still got no power to do anything about it. I've got to fight these court cases. And like, what? And then when you're sober and you're looking at what you've just done, jumping docks, they didn't proceed with jumping the dock because I had so many charges to go. 
They thought he's going to get a fucking 10 anyway. You know, a 10 years for nothing, you know. Um, so so um, the, 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 the burglars got sent to one. The jury could see that I said she injected and I smoked. That's why I was in wraps. It made sense because I'm a burglar, I said. Not a supplier. It made sense, you know. The, the fucking police looked at me like that. Ah, bastards. Bastard. And, uh, and I got 18 months. So it was a result. Because like when I went back, someone got four years. He weren't expecting that. He was expecting an eight. He got a ten. He got life. I come back for eighteen months. It's nothing to me. It's like nothing. But it was. It was beginning to hurt. It was beginning to hurt. Now what I'm doing, I remember the vision of your mother. You got your mother looking at you in the dock. Uh, you're in the dock and you're looking at your mum. Her face, her eyes, just like bloodshot through pain. You know what I mean? I'm still fucking. But it's slowly getting deflated. Now it's slowly getting deflated. Um, you know, and I, I kind of feel I should wind down a little bit, yeah? You don't need a long one, but a crazy, the last crazy, crazy before what happened to me, uh, there was more. I escaped another time from the police station. That was because it was like... We've got, we got plenty of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just, I'm just, just um, how I'm thinking. Um, I went to a hospital in the prison, right? Um, I made up about a back, and then I smashed my head in the in the cell, trying to go for the for the um, for a hospital, an ambulance to take me out. You know, because I'm, I I want to get out. I want to get out. You smash your head intentionally. Yeah, intentionally. To get out of the cell. Yeah, intentionally. Yeah, right. Intentionally. And, what, and I made a, made a fit in the door, but they didn't know that, did they? I'm in the cell, so I just smashed it. I didn't really smash it, but I've done whatever I done. I whether I kicked it, whether I banged it. I can't remember, but what I'd done was a, a moody, like, fit, banged my head, you know, and I was going like that, and then I, I was waiting for the moment, you know, the police one, <laughs> and as they won, come to, to look in, and I'm going like that, so I'm waiting, it's just, a, you know, a fanny, a lie. And he saw it, and then, like, they come, and they didn't know what to do, panicked, you know, so they got no choice but to phone the ambulance, you know, like, it's just what they got to do. And, uh, again, and I escaped... Out of a hospital. So Escaped out of the hospital? As well, yeah, yeah. Twice. Twice? Twice. twice. That happened twice. So how did you get re- recaptured and how did you escape? I get, I get, well, well see, what happened, when you go through, in King's College, it was King's College, I know King's College well, so all it was about matter of going to the toilet, it's as simple as that. So they know at that point of time, right, like they they don't really want to, they have to uncuff un- you. Uh, and uh, they had to uncuff me to go to the toilet. That was it, you know. Uh, I knew where I was in Kings. The two that I was with, I knew I could go. Sometimes they might bring more. They had two. I was up for a theft at the time. Wasn't very, you know, like, I'm, I'm only doing six months. So you think I'd wait, given a fucking opportunity, you know, gone, you know, gone, six months. Sad as it's getting deep. Like six months, I only had two months left to go, you know. I remember scrambling down Kings College fucking... Oh, you know, twice that happened. Um, the, the, um, one of the, one of the time, just fly forward because most of the behaviour pattern was like that, right? Um, nothing was getting better. Some of the times I would, I'd earn money. It was killing me more. So, like, I remember getting together with a group of us, like four of us. Then we was getting more into some nasty bits of like tie ups that happened three times. And I just step back from it a bit what, one, what do you mean by tie-ups? one was attempted well like on a on a, a tie-up which is when you tie family or people up um two was two was attempted That's to, in the process of a robbery yeah it? yeah yeah so like i didn't really connect that but i had that experience i remember one person i didn't really trust you know what i mean i didn't trust him i heard some things about him 
I think he's a bit of a, like, like with women, you know, I weren't too sure. I remember I didn't like him, you know, and like the other two, the other two, it was all right because we started, we were selling drugs together. So things like that got, I like not really speaking about when I had quite a lot of money, you know, like when we were playing with like, you know, a few kilos, there was a few of us, handful of us doing it. Um, again, it would go down. It would go, they'd be arguing amongst us. Someone would nick a couple ounces, someone would nick a bit of money. Then it would be all on us, you know, things like that. And that's kilos of what drug at this point? Uh, heroin, crack. Heroin. Well, cocaine. Coke. Not kilos like 10s and 20s. We was always playing around in between one and four. Sometimes there's always be around that because we're trying the four of us, and there's a driver as well, and it's just five, six people. We're, we're, we're playing around that. Now, I was the main, I started it, but I noticed they were ponces as well, letting me, not letting me, but, you know, I was the one, the, 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 the go getter. So, I just noticed they weren't really pulling their weight. And Where are you like sourcing that. the kilos from? From, it's easy. You know, it was back, you know, there's always, we was in an area where, um, it, the, there's areas where people, families, you know, and, 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 and you know, the, not only was it Turks, there was, there was other families as well as doing it. Um, so I would go to someone who's connected to my family and then I'd be the one that could get it. So when I'm with these lot, they had things like like the cars. Do you understand? They 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 was acting like they were shutters. You know, I weren't no shutter. I'd I'd get it. I'd sell it, but I wasn't thinking not the way they was thinking. You know, these dudes were selling it on the streets at ten pound balls. So I thought I'd bring them in, but I shouldn't have brought them in. But you do. Your things happen. Uh, and and then we start smoking crack. So this one that didn't really smoke crack before, he's now smoking crack because now we're smoking it and had the money. It's like he can see, like, you know, we're smoking it on crack, so he might as well smoke it on crack because he's not going to get his cut of the money because we're more smoking it on crack. And then he would start on it. Like, and then bearing in mind, then what happened with, with them, these were black dudes, and, and then I remember a couple of them got on a needle as well. Mm. So, like, they started off with me, like, so I'd smoke. They'd have a smoke, but, you know what I mean, they'd smoke a lot. But then, because they, they might go around the area, they're serving up people, some white geezers, it might be some black geezers as well. A uh, lot of people was injecting, but he, Michael, his name, uh, he's all right. He's now clean, doing good. Thank God for that. But one of them's doing life. Bert, Bert's doing life. Uh, he already done a 12. Then, you know, in England, you've got like a similar free strike rule, what the Americans got. Bert got a 12. And then when he was met, hanging around with me, then, uh, then, he was earning some good money, but that's when he started smoking a bit too much more. That's the man I said that smoked a bit too much more. Then when we all parted, he went on and, and got and got life for a robbery that I don't know the story behind. Uh, Michael ended up getting a nine for something to do up solo with some fucking mad turn up with women, you know what I mean? Um, and and he got nine years, and then um, he 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 got out, and he's all right now. I found out he was all right. I see him about two years ago, and recently. And he's still sticking to what he's doing, you know. He said to me, I bumped into him. He went, oh, like, you know, because there's Bert. Do you know about Bert? And he told me, he said, oh, Bert's got life. And I, oh, he went, oh, I don't really want to know. Right, now I'm clean, years clean. I said to him, what, are you judging him? He didn't expect, the last thing he expected out of my mouth, I ain't seen him for years. I said, you was in Brixton with me doing a nine for fucking doing something to a woman up some flat. You know, judging him, you know what I mean? I said, fucking Bert suffering in prison, man. Fucking assault him out. Let's go and find out where he is. But he, I, I reacted a bit aggressive, you know. Like I said, no, I ain't in that. No more, Michael. I said, but don't, don't turn your back on him. You fucking used to bang up. I'm, it's just funny how people just can't help. But 
you know, because I learned about the gossip, because I was terrible. I talked to you, then next person I see is a fucking mug, Sean. You know, like, it's always I was uncomfortable with myself. Like, being around, I couldn't have a healthy communication with, with, with people. It felt like I had to act really hard. I'll mug you off, you know. Sean's a fucking idiot. He's a mackerel. You know, and like, obviously, at some point, someone's going to say, he fucking, yeah, someone's going to point a finger at me, which happened in prison, you know. Like, later on, you know, like, I'd have to have a row over me saying something about you. And then he says to me, well, what, you said that about Sean. I said, no, I didn't. And then I, I go, oh, yeah, I did. But what I've done, I said it this way, try and justify it all. You know, and I remember that. So now, where it's from 15 years down in the game, my life's transformation, like, I don't do that no more. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's a nasty way to talk. Your mouth's getting into trouble. You can't even see it. You're already fucked with your actions. And then my mouth's, you know, that's where it all starts, isn't it? What happens in there comes out there. <laughs> so I had to learn to curb that. So when he's, when Michael said that about Bert, I obviously felt sorry for, for Bert, but I didn't get his details. But yeah, so that was out of a, that was around all that time when I, when jumping out of the the dock went jumping uh, Campbell Green. Um, what would be happening in Brixton now? So I'm about twenty eight, twenty nine. Um, by the way, I've had a daughter, another daughter, Alice. She's thank God doing well. She hasn't really experienced. She experienced the first six years I was there, but then when I went away for the time when I got clean, sort myself out, that was a three year period. I got I got nicked for a robbery, attempted robbery. I actually stopped the robbery, but I got three years. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Someone went to do a robbery, and uh, I was going to go with him. But uh, I didn't, it was all a 19-year-old girl. I'll explain that story because it's all part of the end. Not the end, because the beginning then happens. It's not the end of what we're doing. Um, it's, uh, 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 yeah, Alice said how, how, how she missed, how I missed them three years. She was about six to nine when I was there. I was selling drugs. She was born. Everything's fine. Like, this was 26, 27. Uh, so moving into like the first, I'll tell you a story here. Moving into into the areas when uh, I got just before I got clean was I go into I get out of prison. <laughs> another getting out of prison. One day I was out, Sean. One day, not even twenty four hours, <laughs> right? Not even twenty four hours, and. I got money. I had some money. Not much, 500 quid, something like that. But I've come out to something. Like Someone sent me money in as well. But I got something when I got out. Normally, they give you money on your discharge grant, but I had an extra bit. So I didn't hit, I didn't hit family. My mind, getting out of Brixton prison, said, what you do, you go to the get out of Brixton, you go to right, go to the end of the road, all family, because I've got family remember all this. I, I haven't touched on them relationship. I'm just missing all them years. In and out, I phone mum, I'm in prison, I phone my sister, phone in, you know. Uh, there was no depth there. It was just, I was gone. That's it. I get out, and I should do a right. And in the last, you know, period of time I was in prison that time, whether that was eight months, ten months, a year, whatever it was, because in the end you lose. I have to go to my previous history to do so many. 60, 70 previous convictions, something like that. A lot. I can't count. Um, so as I get to the right, there's a phone box. The beast is going, come on, just try, just come one more rock, one more little boot lace chase, they used to call it. Got to use the phone, got to use the phone. 
I find myself going left. For that year, obviously, now I'm like, oh, you know, I'm 30, whatever now. You know, I'm growing up a bit now. You know, I've got to sort myself out. You know? Um, no. Don't make the phone call. I go on to Brixton, left for Brixton Frontline. I go down there, I'm smoking. This time I had a pipe. First one, felt the same shit. Put it on the foil. Put the, the heroin with it in the bin chute. Bumped into someone I knew. I know, like that. And then he comes over. We're smoking in a bin chute, you know. Um, so then, so I've got, got this money. So so uh, I don't phone. Then I go into Campbell Green, not far from Brixton. Uh, and cut it short. I bump into an old friend of mine, Charlie. And uh, I don't know that he's ingested 70 Valium. Now, if anyone knows Valium... You can't give me three, four, or five even. I'd wake up with stockings and suspenders on, arrested. I don't know what's going on. By the way, I'm straight heterosexual. <laughs> I'm a straight guy. I don't care what, how you take it. I'm just a heterosexual. I'm just saying. What I'm saying is you forget. When you take Valium and you have a bit of heroin, the reaction, the effect is like very much like that. So he is one of them people that takes pills. I didn't really take pills. So they, their habit, they can handle it. I can't handle pills, right? Um, so the three, four that he give me, you know, time went by. Next minute, it was in patches. I got a scarf. I got a dart. We're cutting it. I put it round me. He's put it at him. We're going to do a robbery at four o'clock in the morning, three, half three in the morning. The thing, the thing is this. I've got money on me. I'm up a crack house. I don't want to get the money out in front of them. That's what it is, because right? I want to go home soon, you know. I should have given Charlie a tenner to get rid of him, but the pills have took effect. I'm not thinking very well, and I just think, let's do a robbery, right? Uh, as God is my judge, every word's true. We come out of Campbell, 10 minutes to walk onto, onto Brixton, Brixton uh, Campbell Road. As we come out onto that road, it's 4.20 in the morning. A, a girl faces us, right? She comes out from a corner, she faces us, Charlie sees her and goes straight across the road. As I saw him cross, I kind of saw her just go like that, terrified. His name's Charlie. This is what they said in the dot in the in the, the jury asked the question. This is the moment I said, Paul, his name's Charlie. Paul, leave her alone. It's the wrong girl. It was enough. He looked at me like that, and then he come, right? Nineteen-year-old fucking guy, I don't do robberies like street robbery. I just don't do that. Um I don't care what people do. It's just I don't do that. I don't think that's... I don't like that. Um, so he don't really know either. I forgive him as well. It's not... You know, it's a sad thing. You know, what he was... He still ain't... He's still low out there. I don't know how he's alive. He's still out. I see him not long ago uh, in a hostel. You know, a shithole hostel in the back streets of fucking Peckham. Uh, Old Kent Road, something like that. Uh, I see him. This is years later, 15 years, like now. Like this was, this was back then. This was this was 16 years ago. This is the thing that got me into where I'm at, at now. But um, so he he see he comes to me. We didn't get half a mile round the block. She went to the bus stop. She was going to work a a big department store, and that's how we know that the the depositions, the statements. Two black ladies, lovely ladies, the old girls were there. I said, "You all right, love?" She went, "No, no, they've attempted to rob me or whatever." They phoned the police. So there's two people, Charlie and me, peeled up, right. We've gone round onto Campbell New Road. Whatever she told them, it must have been like something bad because they had guns, right? 
and I'm half out, you know, peeled up, which I don't take. I could have got shot. Easy. On the floor, on the floor. Like, it's like, what? I want out 24 hours. I like saying the word, like, I felt it was like a God moment. It was a moment that I was out 24 hours. You're 33 now. Whatever, 34. I don't, can't remember. 33, 34, whatever it was. And this shouldn't be, this ain't right. I've got money. I've got gear and crack. They've got that because I'm not aware because I'm so peeled up. I'll put it in between my cheeks. That's what we used to do to hide it. You know, you can't have it in your pocket. I'll search you and find it. They found everything. They found the money. They found the gear. And again, it's like, oh my God, this shouldn't happen. Now I looked at Charlie. I knew he wasn't capable of conversation. I just, I could see, right? Then, then he was shouting through, oh, Joe, I'm sorry. Like, I took 70-odd Valium and I'm in the cell. Going, you should have fucking told him. You, know, you should have said he should have got me off because mm. I genuinely weren't doing it. You know, I don't do that. So, and I had the money, but the pills was, and I can't blame him. So, ultimately, what, what, what did George, just his point is talking what happened through that, but let me tell you what happened on remand in a minute. I was like a maniac. On the prison, right? I stabbed three geezers on the yard. What? Yeah, that's a big story. What everyone knows, stabbed them on the yard. That was during that. I was now. I'd had enough, right? And three I, separate incidents. No, once on the yard. I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about it. Uh, this was during this period, right? So Charlie saw that I was going a bit wild. We, I robbed immediately in reception. He was with me. Robbed someone off there off the phone and their money, twenty pound note and a phone. I give Charlie the twenty pound. I got the phone, right? The phone's worth a lot. I managed to get it through, right? Uh, it was just crazy. But Charlie felt bad. You know, once he straightened up, he didn't say it was him. He didn't say the story because he didn't. He was out of his nut. Uh, he's not capable of expressing himself. Like, the police knew I weren't involved with it. Even she knew because I stopped it because I said, Paul, leave her alone. It's the wrong. But they're not worrying about fucking me. Their job is to convict me because what the fuck am I doing out four or 20 in the morning fucking going to rob someone i weren't going to rob her i'm with him i you know i stopped it but i fought it because of that i always went guilty apart from the ones i didn't go guilty on that was only i had about three trials got not guilty in one 18 months that i got it down from you know from all the burglaries which i didn't do you know this crazy life crazy experience um so i had to go through with the trial and i remember a couple of people in the jury that was like yeah. like i knew you know when you got them but like in the end they must have said look the, when they asked the question, why did you call him Paul? His name Charlie. I couldn't deny it. I said, I'm living this life. I'm living this shitty drug addict's fucking life. You know, and Charlie was there. He'd already gone guilty. You know, so it's just me fighting it. And um, and there was some sympathy. Not a lot, but the judge acknowledged it. He said, but however, you know, I've still got to give you three years. So I've got the same which I was lucky because normally where he got three years, when you go not guilty in England, like anywhere, they don't like it. So I should have got six years. But because they could see I didn't fucking do it, you know, and I do have to go prison for it. So it just felt like, so as a result of that, that was when my rage got worse. So I'm already a maniac. I'm At times I can, you know, control things. I was a good talker. I could get my way and people knew me to be a good negotiator. But for silly things, you know, not in business, which these tools, what you was talking about, how we change and turn the, tool, the, the psychological around to like how we can, how can we can work, how can we bring it out into society? Like I, I didn't know how to do that at this point, and um, 
Um, so, so yeah, I, I went completely crazy. Also, just quickly, right? I remember when I went jaundice yellow. This is for fucking people to just see, right? This weren't good. I get nicked. I'm on the exercise yard. I don't know I've got any hepatitis, right? Because now I, I got rid of it and I've had the treatment for it. That's all years. This is all years now where I'm in, like, you know, in recovery, so to speak. I don't, I'm not in recovery. I'm in life. It's, they call it recovery. They call it, like, you know, I'm, I'm just where I'm at in my life. It's a 15 years transformation. Just just keep helping, keep moving into a good life. I'm living a good life. I've got an amazing life. Um, but someone looked into my eyes on the exercise yard. He said, your eyes gone yellow. So I go straight off the exercise yard, gov, look, bang, fuck me. I got shot immediately with like a luminous yellow. The medics see me, bang, straight down to the hospital. They had to fucking isolate me. No one, no, I felt like a fucking rapist. They put me down into the end cell, like just luminous yellow. I remember scratching like that, big lumps come up. Just, just, oh my God, right? Terrified I was. And I was so lucky again, lucky, because if I weren't in that situation on a Friday, right, to go to, to look, it, I could have been in a situation where I wasn't in court. Is what I'm saying. And I had a court date. Lucky I was in that court because when I went to my local court, a doctor happened to see me walking by in a magistrate's court. Where I'm just going to go up, get remanded in custody, go back. I'm not going to any fucking hospital in prison, right? And they're not helping me. I just was going into their hospital. They didn't know what was wrong with me. So do you see why I was lucky the doctor see me? He said he's got to go to an outside fucking hospital. Lucky I, that happened because then I went. Matthew Kelly, the old fucking presenter in london he was in a doing doing his program i was fucking like an animal <laughs> get me the valium right and they had to have screws to, uh, to me so they had three screws and two screws like at certain times handcuffed me there really, like that to the bed and and stuff like that that was just a horrible experience is what i'm saying and i and i went back to prison because i had two of the most biggest dogs you could ever imagine the first two didn't give me no fluid, a drink or nothing. So when the next one came in, he was an SO, a nice prison officer. He went to the two. If you give him a drink or anything, give him a sandwich. They went, nah. He went, you horrible bastards. Come with me, son. And he took me downstairs to the, to the King's College Hospital. No, St. Thomas's Hospital and spent a tenner on me. So lovely. When my mum comes, I phone my mum. Mum, it's always mum you turn to. Mum, if you got one, if you're lucky enough. Um, she... Uh, you know, it was just nice. I said, he's done that for me. Mum, how's that? She went to put money in, in his hand. And he went, no, no, no. He was nice. But the last two, I, could, I, I just I just fucking smashed the place up. Like, they was irritating me so much. The way they was talking, the attitude they was talking to me like a sergeant major. And I went, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Something, I can't even remember. I just remember getting the table next to me and just throwing it around because I was handcuffed. I couldn't do nothing. My mum was there. And I went, fuck off, like that. And uh, he took it. I said, take me back. So I went back in that attitude. And they was all fucking scared. You know what I mean? I was going, take me fucking. I want to be looking at you another eight hours. Uh, went back. Um, you know, carried on the madness. And so the bit, we're going to the, the the three years. That was my last sentence. It's pointless, honestly, going into fucking all that. Because that was the madness. There was a lot of other stuff. There's, there's stuff that, you know, went on the same type of, pattern there was no murders there was nothing what was the circumstances of the stabbings yes what i was getting to right now right now i was getting to right now this was the last so because charlie you know he he didn't know what he was doing i go onto the yard it was over nothing little do i know i've got we've got on now brixton prison when you go there and it's say 
all the vans from all over London or wherever take you to one place and then you all go Brixton. When you when you all got your your bed kit and they open the door to the wing, if you don't know, if you're first time, you're going to look out to a jungle. You've got 300, 400 people and it's just just madness, just shouting. Everyone's running around for drugs for something new people coming in so you're always sniffing for the new person it's a mad chaos i don't know like you know when i think back at it it's like you're out you're out it's like you're out from half six to say eight so you have showers you got people that got their cleaning jobs in a stable but like that's only like 10 percent you've got all us lot and uh, the door keeps turning around everyone's new coming in and everyone's looking for drugs that's when a lot of bad shit happens, you know, a lot of bad shit. And I've had my moments amongst that, you know, who's got gear, who's got what, and I'll keep my eye on certain things. But um, my, my madness went when um, I, I've got into my cell. And it was within a week this happened of me. Within one week this happened. So I know a lot of people now, don't I? I'm from Brixton. I'm in my early 30s. I know a lot of people, right? Uh, I'm, I'm looked at a little bit like a nutter, like a bit unpredictable. That was the word they had on my file. But others just knew that I don't care. I used to take hits in prison. Silly fucking things. Like someone says, I'll give him a clump or do something to, and I'll give you a bit of gear. Like hit. We used to call it contracts. It wasn't. Not like the way you stab and kill someone. Like, you know, that's happened in English prisons. Yes. But that wasn't what we was doing or me. Like oh, You'd say to me, look, I want him done and I'll give you a £20 bit of gear or I'd give you this. It wasn't like professionally done. It was just nutters altogether. Someone wanted because no one, someone liked, didn't like him. He'd done something and, and someone and I'd hear it. And I'd say, I'll take it. And I'd go into the cell and I'd say, what's that? What do you want done? Then? Well, what is it? And sometimes I'd say, no, I said, you think I'm a fun? I weren't stupid, but occasionally there'd be ones I'd take. So I, 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 I took I took a couple. Anyway, this this time here, and it's mad. Listen to the names. Terror, Soldier Mark, they're brothers, right? They're two terrorists out of Brixton. Terrorists, scary, scary boys, especially Terror. Soldiers as well, but like, I'm not scared of none of them. Uh, I've known them for a long time, right? They tried it. They tried it at first when I didn't know one of the brothers. Someone give me in, in prison, in, in the cells, someone give me an eighth of crack. He'd had an ounce. So when he went to court that after one week, everyone knew he had crack. Uh, he gave me the last like eighth of it to go back to. So I said, do you want me to, is there anyone you want me to give anything to? He said, no, it's yours. But when I fucking got back, they was all on the phone to him. He got bow. Like, who did he give it to? See my surname. I was looking for the card. So that's how I got to, he said, he said, I want some. I said, you're getting fuck all. I said, as a matter of fact, I'm giving it all to my cellmate. I don't smoke it no more because I was doing it on the foil because they all pipe. So, I said, I don't even want it, right? So wait until the morning. But then when they heard my family, who I've been, who my family name is, they did, oh, they didn't fancy it, right, in the morning. So those that come up in the morning and heard the old man, which weren't my family, it was my sister's family, uh, my sister's husband, who had the name, the face, yeah? But I was little when my sister met him, do you understand? And they got married, I was married for 30-odd years. So the point is, is I was known as the little one. So the, the nearest I had for a father figure was George, was that man who was married to my sister. So that family was well known. So by the morning, when they when they realised, and I had them coming to my door, going, oh, no, sorry, didn't know that. I said, fuck off, you fucking dog. Like, because it was old, you know, when you look at like 60-year-old man wanting a little crumb of crack, like come with all the hounds, like the, the, the pack of them. And then when they realised, oh, because I weren't having it, 
I could have got hurt. Most people would have got hurt for that. They would have got taken off. But I was lucky because as the door was closing up, I knew what I was doing. I just waited and waited and banged the door at eight o'clock. So, you know, then it was all done out the window. So lucky it weren't when the doors were open and I'd had the whole, they wouldn't have cared where the fuck I was from. It was crack. But I, I'd done it. I got away with it. I was lucky. So as I say, next day, I'm saying to them, you ever come like that again? And they're like, oh, sorry. I said, the old man all for crack. Like, it's like, I'll fucking end up that way. I am like him, just younger, you know. But terror anyway. It turned out that this is the situation. All that, all that happened was he was going to the chapel. All that happened was he was going to the chapel um, to, to to go into church. Some yardy fellow was there. He was all right, but I'll tell you after, they weren't. They were nice dudes, but they was wanting for free murders. And they had nine crack houses running around London. And there was 11 or 12 of them on on this landing. I didn't know. So what do I do? I'll tell you what I'll do in a minute. Terror goes down there because he's scatty as well. He's very six foot five, Terror. So he can handle his height and he's big and he's like ruthless. He goes to go past his yardie. He stops. He says, I'm here. And it went to like on the yard. Went like that. So that's only like, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. By the time we're talking, four, six, eight o'clock, bang up, it's happening on the yard. I start, I thought, I better help. It's not my fight. But that happened a couple of times, but this was the worst one. So um, I made up a couple little things, two things. I had one that was pretty nasty and had a, had a not not the razor what they do. That's not enough. But it wasn't that good. It, you know, really, it was all right. I had this other little thing that I pointed up about about you know five inches. It was it was a, that was all right. Where'd you get the metal from for that? In, yeah, in the in the prison. It's it's it's, it's in Brixton. It's like it's an open. It's not like locked in. You know, like there's there's the uh, metalwork. I got it off someone. You know, I can't even who. Like I I I made up the the um the what they do use a tooth thing. I didn't use that. I used. Some other little implant, which was a bit bigger, but the same. So I put like a few razors on it, though, instead of I just got five or six. I can't remember. As I'm doing it, maybe four, four of them I got on, you know, and I, and I put it there. And I had this nice little thing, uh, which is a little, it's a tool. It's, it's a shank. It's a shank, American boys. It's a shank. Um, and uh, so everyone was saying, right, it's going off. It's going off with the English, the blacks, all together in the team against the Yardies, right? Um Mate, when when it went on the yard, no one fucking went forward. The only person that started it was Terror, the one who had to fight with the yardie. But I, as I was looking, I re- I could see they was a group, but I didn't know the story, what they're in for, what's happening. They were organised. They weren't no idiots. And uh, so Terror has his fight. People are all looking like like around, like going to do something. I slowly get up like an idiot. I start going up like that, and then as I've gone nearer, I'm just watching the situation. Then, then a second man comes in for terror. Goes to goes to steam into terror. The main one he's having a fight with goes to hit him again. Then his cellmate, terror cellmate, which was I was surprised at because I really didn't expect him. He was the one of the last people that I thought that would have run in and helped terror. Because everyone else was all talking shit. Oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. So as I've walked up and it's, it's all kicking off with Terror and him, it's another yardie comes in and this fella goes in to help Terror. And that's when I go in. But I see someone behind with a fucking thing like that. I don't know where he got it from. He comes down 
on Terra Cell, mate. It caught him there, and I luckily got him because it's the one that had the big thing. I hadn't seen anything like it. I don't know where he got it from, but it was that big. Because everyone saw it. So as he went like that, poor kid, he steamed in. You know, he went to help, but he actually just got it below the eye. I just fucking went in, bang, bang. It's actually more. The truth is it was more because I had the three, which was the stab, but the cut as well. So because it was on the exercise yard, that weren't a good situation, right? Because <laughs> uh, it was on the exercise yard and there's so many people because the crowd, there's only two screws, prison officers on the yard. So this means it's an open deal, right? But they panicked and they opened the doors. So it's coming up to lunchtime. I had no option but to do what I had to do. I went even more crazy because then geezer come up to me and went to me, you know who they are? I went, no. He went, they're, they're this and this three murders. They wanted. I went, fuck them. <laughs> fuck off. You, I didn't see you on the fucking yard. No, do you see who they are? I tried to scare them. I went, fuck So I knew what he meant though. So that made me go even more. So then the first thing I'd done, because everyone's going back into the prison on, on, on the force, but they're at the top fours. Ground one, two, three, four. I'm at the first floor. They're at the fourth. I've just got to go for them. So I went and got hot water in a bottle, in a, a bottle, in, in a, 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 a jug thing. I got that. Um, I'm just showing them, right? I went as I as I as I've got this the hot water going on there. I seen one fella over there. I knew who I thought was connected to him. He wasn't. He wasn't connected. He was sitting up on the thing. I just went straight up to him and bang, whacked him, and he just fell back like that. Then it was like, oh, then everyone's got kissed like off. I then went upstairs, so it's a vibe that I'm not sure where else it was kicking off, but I knew what I was doing. I went up to their floor. floor. As I've gone up to their floor, then I see them all leaning against the thing as I'm walking up. He, the main ones, come round to me. He went to me, bang. So I took a left hook. I said, is that all you got? It's the only thing I could say, to swing it, you know, to go back down the stairs again. I went Holy back down the shit. stairs then got the fucking jug and then just threw it at the next person. And that's when all the screws come along and they didn't touch me. They didn't touch me because I was frothing so fucking much. All that was coming. And they said, let them calm down because they heard I got a left hook. I found out after. They were a bit racist, them lot, because it was black geezers. I'm not. So, like, I heard him say, like, black geezer. Like, old racist screws. So, like, so I got away with it like that because, like, it's like I, I weren't thinking of colour. I just fucking had to knock these fuckers out, whoever they were, colour. What I'm saying is they didn't grab me up. What the word, what, how I know that, whether it's race or no, because of shit, I don't know. But I'm saying what I thought the situation was because I got a clump. He heard that I got a clump. So I've just defended myself. That's what he heard, right? And they was all around me. <laughs> and everyone's around me going, he's fucking maniac. So that followed me then. That went all round. They already knew I was a bit scatty as it was. Didn't need anyone. Didn't go in with anyone. Didn't pair up with anyone. Weren't in any groups. Weren't in any gangs. Fuck the gangs. I know it's all shit anyway. I even knew gangs was shit when I was in it. <laughs> you know, gangs ain't didn't do nothing for me. Gangs didn't help me. I mean, any camaraderie. We was all trying to rob each other. You know, some of us that didn't try would generally try. They would fucking do something. And you know the lifestyle, so you just don't work with them again. Um, so the guys you hit then, did they retaliate? Th that was the day. That's what happened but that day. There wasn't another retaliation after no, that? No, because then we, uh, they took me straight away because I was the instigator. Wasn't I? Me and Terra went straight down the block. We went straight down the block. Didn't come up. Didn't come up after that. Didn't bump into them again. 
No, because they didn't let us back up because we're down. Now we're in the punishment bit now. Terror me. When Terror said, oh, he's happy that I was there. Um, I weren't particularly happy about anything. But <laughs> I just was down the block, you know, like whatever. They keep good all the indiscipline. They keep it there for a while. There's no set time because come on. And I went in there. I went, I'm fucked, mate, to the governor. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, like, I just felt threatened. I said, like, I've had enough. So when I calmed down, I just told him. I said, I don't know where the fuck I am. I said, I've had enough. I was out one day. I said, I'm back in here now. And I just went on a, like, a low one like that. It was an act. It was an act. It weren't true. It might have felt or looked true. It was true to a point, but it wasn't enough for me to let go. Do you understand? I just had to do the next bit down the block. And I preferred it down there because I, you can't leave me in a cell by myself when I have a fight with a fucking table. Something's going to happen, it felt like, my mind, you know? It felt like something, I need to do something. Um, so it was about, because that was when I got the three years and the last one. When I when I then settled down, it was about six weeks, and then I got onto the wing and they give me an ace, and I had to prepare getting me on the wing. They had to sit down and say, called me Julian, my first name, I don't normally do that. Are you going to calm down now? I said, yeah, you know, like, I don't really start. It's only been occasionally. He said, well, not quite here, son. We've had you over the years since you come in at 21. I didn't know that. They got a file on me since I was 21. Not like, like no heavy, you know, like gangster. Nothing like, everyone's got a file, haven't they? Every fucker's got a file. And mine was unpredictable. <laughs> Approach with caution. <laughs> you know, you don't know if he's going to react. Um, yeah. And, and, and then... Um, that was like, you know, and then I went to, forward to the trial and then get the guilty. But by that time, though, I'd, I'd had the drug dealers on the wing. They all heard what I'd done. I was getting drugs off them any time I wanted, literally. Like that, you know, I'm not exaggerating that because in prison, you're fucking going for little bits. And some people bought butter on heroin to make it run more. It's pathetic. It really is. Like, it's like you're getting, say, a £10 bit on the street is like £2 in prison. Such a tiny, minuscule, it's pointless doing it. So they get the, the butter, to, two or three of them, to run it. It's, you know, it's sad. The heroin, the crack, just strangling everybody, grown men. I wouldn't take that. I was going straight to the dealers who had it, you know what I mean? And I'd fucking kick their door. Some of them say, see you in the morning. That was, and then because I've had the history of what happened there, when that goes around to another wing and another wing, I've cut 25 geezers over there. I've dismembered one. His, his head's in my fucking pocket now. You know, it exaggerates. It exaggerates. <laughs> you know, his leg's in my fucking other pocket. You know, it's so, so I remember I had three dealers, uh, you know, so I was just, just medicating, medicating, medicating. Had the trial, uh, got the guilty, and then went finally to the prison where it was called a wrapped rehabilitation of a addicted prisoners trust which which i wouldn't you know, people like say they saved my life yeah they're good they they was there you know for that for that you can go into the treatment bit it's the 12 steps but they don't work the 12 steps right uh they do the best they can with what they've got but they try and say the 12 steps because that's the that's the program but they weren't working it because you can't work it you know you just go to the meetings and the meetings is like a place of therapy which the 12 steps was not about therapy, for instance. So, like, it doesn't matter, you know. You're in a safe place, yeah? If you want to be safe, 
And if you want to not be involved with drugs, because the prisons have got drugs in it. In England, we've got drugs everywhere. And I just, I just am my own man enough to go just, all right, I want to have a breath. I want to have a breather. Uh, and pick that, that uh, the Mount prison it was. They were good. The staff in there, like the, the drug workers and a couple of the staff was very friendly. They, 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 ch- they showed you you could work with each other. You could talk to each other. You could talk by each other's first names. So you could begin to see, ah, like, you know, this is a long time coming. I can see the prison officers are kind of uh, not too bad. You know, they're people, you know. It's all nuggets of bits that slip into place. You realise not everyone's bad or dog or, you know, whatever my language was. And um and then the final moment, what happened was someone promised on that wing, the drug free wing, they promised me a bit of gear on the weekend. Now we're all in a drug free bit. This is the treatment program, and he's going to have a visit. My faults, I was clean, my faults. Then I started realizing this isn't about drugs. I think it's about the drug. There's the drug. But it's obviously not about that. It's about my mind. I didn't see the connection, how simple that connection is, but I didn't see it. And I remember thinking very deep in myself. He's going to get a bit of gear each day that goes by. Hello, my name's Julian. I'm an addict. (laughs) Because that's what you've got to say in there. And then um, then finally, on the day of the visit, he gets, gets the drug. I go around to his cell. He was coming to see me every day before that. He gets the drug, he turns. I go to his cell, he's got some fella in there. And he goes, oh, hold on. I said, who the fuck are you talking to? I just opened his door and went and sat down. And he just looked because normally he wanted me to get out. I said, who the fuck are you talking to? All week he's been promising me. That's what I thought. So then I just sat there like that. He's only a little fucker, you know, some kids and some fucking mouthy, you know, uh, little rat. You turned out to be a rat, turned out to be a paedophile, all sorts. We didn't know. Um... You know, they throw you in. They throw in these in now. They're throwing the paedophiles in amongst the prisoners now. It's not that separate as it was before. You know, now they're everywhere, you know, and he turned out to be a whatever. Um, so so as his mate went, I, I went, so what are you saying then? And he said, well, look, I've only got a little bit. I said, you're talking shit. He went, no, no, listen to me. He said, I'll give you a bit to say you and Sean, me and you. I went, I'll tell you what, keep it. That was the change. Because when I said keep it, fuck off. I could see that finally this has got me. I'm stone cold fucking clean, mind the language. I'm stone cold clean and I can see that that has got me by the Niagara Falls balls. And it's my mind. And it's just, it was just a weird moment. But then a lot of people was coming in and out, you know, some doing talks for AA, Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous. Cocaine Anonymous is where I connected to at the beginning. Um, and other people, you know, there would be the church people, there'd be all sorts of people, all lovely people. So as you begin to slowly see the truth, you see that people are nice. Not mm. everyone's a mackerel. You know, my deflation is occurring. Spiritually, my true self is waking up. This is when the buzz occurs. This is if you don't get that buzz, if you don't make a decision and you're struggling with it, you're not going to have the spiritual change. Which all that means is you can see, you wake up. You wake up to your... I think people who don't do drugs have it as well. Either they're they're living in their their way of thoughts, their patterns, their emotional nature, you know, relationship. I don't think it's about drugs. You say, oh, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict. When you think about it, really, that's insane to be going every day, you're 10 years clean. 
I'm an addict. I'm an addict. But be so a baseball bat. Like freedom is what this is about. But I learned, you go through the, st- the stages, you do have to do that. You have to go, you're an addict. You have to talk that stuff. It's a letting go. It's an admittance. So that's what happened in now. So then the next, like, you know, what? three, four months, they said they'd never seen a such a change in me. So all of a sudden, I remember being in a group and now I'm like, I'm not, I'll, you get your key ring or whatever, 30 days, 60 days. We're in a big group, right? And uh, there's about 30 of us, geezers, you know, like some younger, 21, 20, some 50, 60, whatever, I'm 34, 35, whatever. And, uh, and, I, and I remember saying once, all I want to do is care. <laughs> <laughs> like, I genuinely felt like I want to care. And I could say that in a group of people. It was a letting go. I didn't know I was doing it. But then they sent, sent me to um, so some rehab. But the bit before I went to rehab was a spiritual experience, right? All that means is, at the time, it, fe- it feels like, fuck me, the blinkers are off. You have a moment because you're not in the madness. You're in a cell by yourself. And it's like someone said, God bless, as he was leaving, because this fellow used to come in. He was really helping us. And someone said, that's all you've got. And it was just a thought. And that's all it was. And I went back to the cell. And the female who opened the door, who I thought fancied me, we all thought the females fancied us. That's how insane we are, the female prison officers. Because when you're early, you've got this self-centered view. So if someone talks to you, a woman, <laughs> you feel, oh, she likes me. <laughs> it's like a self-centered obsession with yourself. That's what the problem Bondage of fear and anxiety and depression, you're anxious. That was all the feelings associated with learning about, you know, what, what addiction is, what any ism is, any ism. And, uh, and I found really that, that, that uh, I was pretty passionate. I found our courage. I found that I wasn't really scared because a lot of people were scared, like fears, how they reveal themselves or how relationship. I just felt like a buzz, like because when he left and then she opened the door, I just went, please help me. Now, you know, I wasn't going to the altar. I was going to my true self because in that moment, you couldn't have hit a place and that, there was no drugs about it. Think about it. No drug, no alcohol. No, It was me. I knew it was done. Wow. And it was an amazing experience. I knew it was done. Now, I've had it the last two years with my cirrhosis. I've had some medical stuff, some drugs around that, but nothing than that. Then 13 consistent years. And I'm talking about even a pill, you got to watch it, but I'm not in that AA stuff. I'm still connected. However, like, obviously, my life has blossomed where it is. But I don't really would say now that if someone has one drink, like, I don't drink. I'm just saying. I wouldn't really put that on someone. Oh, that's a relapse. Like This is just a bit harsh. I think someone may need a prescription pill as long as they got their eye on it. You can't say abstinence to people that might not, you know, they might need to take a prescription pill, which I don't. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, but and, and what happened was that from the blinkers come off, I felt it, saw it. And then it's just funny, as each step progresses, then I read something that spoke spoke about varieties of a spiritual experience. And then it says, a change of feeling and outlook. It's not like, Jesus is going to come down. <laughs> you know, he's my man. But however, <laughs> mine was that shift. I could see my life was a lie. You know, it was truth. I'm not bad. None of us are bad. I don't believe that. I don't believe there's genetic disorders. I think our life 
is when, you know, when I was in my dad's bollocks, I don't remember that, right? And when I it, it went into my mum and out I come, I think there was a lot of good there. <laughs> there was some good, because I don't remember much as a baby, and apparently I was a very nice baby, like we all probably are. And at some point, my will, my thinking went into parental guidance. And I looked at my life and I could see the reality of it. I could see I need to go work. I couldn't afford to be selfish. I couldn't afford that shit. <gasps> me? Oh, my God, me, self-pity. Oh, I need to go back in the benefits. I want to live. I don't want to be on benefits. Get out and, you know, get out and go and sign on. I ain't signed on for fucking 17 years. Like, I don't sign on. I'm self-employed. What happened? I went to the rehab. This time I knew that she is not going to be my wife. She, she's a maniac like me. Stay away from her. <laughs> I went through the process. You do. You got to get involved with the twelve steps because that's what the rehab system like does. And I and I went through that, but very quickly I went to do the the. I went for the treatment centers to help them. I went everywhere. I helped everybody. I was sponsoring people in the big book of AA. They call it which Cocaine Anonymous adopted. Like I was sponsoring more than anybody. There was a group of us, five or six of us, when we first went into Bournemouth area. And it was part of the recovery. So there was us lot. The rest was on the edges. You could see. Those that were serious, you could see. It's an observational environment. Everyone's self-centered anyway. You know, because like early days, they're all talking shit and they're all banging each other. And it's what happens in that 12-step community. You know, you've got to be careful how you're bringing people. Because my book's about that. Don't bring your daughter into them environments by herself, seriously, because you get men that are in there coming from prison with their attitude and they don't know what's going on. You know, anyone would say bad person, but we know that he's not really bad, he's just sick. However, you need to counteract that. So that's what my book is about, as well as other things. If you're going into that area and you're a family member and you've got a daughter, go with them. Make sure someone is part of that to go into these communities because they're nuthouses. A-A-C-A-N-A. We love them. God bless them. There's a history behind it. Dr. Bob, Bill W., great, lovely. But be careful. They were in 2019 now. You know, there's different ways. You know, if you go in there, just be careful. Go there. We bring you, you know, that's why I do what I do. I don't do sober coaching in 12 steps. That's disgusting for me. You know, like, no. Families based, you know, don't get into and, and utilize a meeting. You don't go, to, you know, you advise, you work with the family outside of a place like that. It's all learning. Then I went to, you know, um, counseling at a school and, you know, then I became a counselor in Farnborough. Then I could see within one year that, you know, the same communities, the same treatment centers, the same process, something needs to change. Uh, families need to be more involved. I keep going on about families and everyone's getting to know me now to get, you know, they want me to come and help their family. So it wasn't a so-called uh, program I created. It was just something that I was just fell into and then intervention become in, in the States. They got intervention 911. I trained with them dudes, good dudes. They, you know, they go around uh, the 12 steps community. Fine. I don't do that. I'm, I, I trained in it. And I just work in the real world. I don't work in the sponsorship and bring that to AA because you get paid with that. This might help someone else, right? So, so step out of it. Get yourself a life. If you keep your foot in the door, good. But come out. Come into the real world. You know, what about your family? My family, they needed healing. My daughter, I went to my daughter to give her an amends to her. Do you know the three years, that I, four years, whatever it was that I weren't there, I, I, I kept going backwards and forwards. I was up. Bournemouth first for two and a half years clean 
and I'm thinking my daughter's all right, you know, she's like at the time 13, whatever. And and, and one day I thought the moment because I wrote down what I think what I thought about my daughter. Uh, I thought she didn't miss much, right? This is what happened. The mother of me and her just friends now. Uh, she didn't let me in, you know, the years I was on the gear when we fell out. And now I'm in the house, everything's fine. Uh, so I'm visiting and I said, uh, I just want a word with Alice. That's my daughter's name. And I'll never forget, 12, 13, I said, Alice, can I have a little word with you? She went, yeah. I said, uh, do you remember when I weren't there when you was six? Do you know what she said? I was five. I didn't even expect she was going to say it. I thought it was all right. Um, she's a she's a human person of five who remembered her dad didn't fucking take her to school. Mm. Do you get what I mean? She remembered. So I wanted to get it out of her, right? I wanted her to express herself. I said, oh, right. So you was five then. Well, how did you feel when, you know, like other kids' dads were there and I wasn't? Because I'd got told these three or four years that I weren't there, like affected you kind of thing. And she went, I don't know, like that. Uh, I, felt so, I felt, oh, God. I said, just try a little bit. And then as her mum come in, because she got a bit panicked because she see the emotion on her daughter, Alice shot into the front room and, she, and I went to her, what are you doing? I was just getting close to that. And then I just went into the front room. I said, as I went, what's the matter? I turned, she's crying her heart out. All I could do is hold her and I held her and I said, I'm never going to leave you again. Mm-hmm. That That's it. Nothing else. No, sorry. I'm going to do it again, you know, and do it again and do it again. Crush our little fucking kids you know hearts and spirits no it can't happen again that's 16 years later now you know my daughter she's she's in the city of london three years working now i've had a relationship with her right away through at 16 she didn't want to go back into college i find out that five girls are pregnant in her college that was the reason i got upset i said why the money situation your mum gets some money from the government through your going to school until you're 18. So I had to tell her you can't have your allowance. Oh, yes, I'm giving her an allowance, by the way, Sean. <laughs> I'm giving her allowance. I didn't give her a fucking nothing. You know what I mean? Drugs I was on. So now I'm in a position I give her money. I said, darling, you can't, you can't leave college just like that. I said, in the next breath, I said, it's up to you what you do. However, I think that I should give your money to your mum because you... She gets paid up until you're 18. So what do you want to do? And we spoke through it. You know, she don't want to go to college because of this. And I could see she was right. Instead of me not listening to her. You know, I listen now. I listen. You know, she, she's too right. I don't want to run it. All girls, single parents. We've got to change that. She's got help. Got help, you know. So I was there to help. And, uh, and then I said, right, you've got one year. I didn't say it like that. I said, it's up to you. But, you know, maybe you should like look at maybe a year of work. Maybe get yourself on like agent staff, agency staff, and and she did. She got four jobs in that year, and then like I observed it, you know, and then bang, she's been in the city now for three years, four into her fourth year, single, twenty two. She told me off the last few weeks ago, you know, what I mean, I ain't seen you for a while. <gasps> Shit, I felt bad because like you know I had the cirrhosis stuff, like you know, and had the hepatitis that got cured, uh, the viral underlying viral was causing it which left it scarring. So I just go back twice a year. I had the five, that's five years ago. But I was affected by the meds. I was taking a lot of meds for it. Not like bad or it got me out thieving on the streets. But the pain, I had three cuts, legions on my esophagus, a blocked bile up and the fucking cirrhosis. Stone cold clean. I started taking drugs, you know, not like going on the street and, you know, smoking crack. But I'm talking about where I was at. That was like, oh, I need to, I need to now, this is another area now. Oh, you know, and then, um, 
so I just, you know, I was travelling, work, backwards and forwards. I'd go abroad a lot to work, interventions. I do family work. I take someone to this place, that, that retreat. I don't just take people to rehab. I take people to different places. I, I do in-house round-the-clock work. I'm self-employed. My own company now, 10 months. Don't mean a big company. I've got 500 employees. It's me. I create the work and then, then I employ. So now it's about what I think our viewers, our people should not just... You know, the experience is the experience, your viewers. The experience, the experience is, if there's an experience like this, you want to shift and change it. I don't care if you're an addict or not. Addict, that's the word. It's human people. We're in a time where, look look, at, look around. It's all, you know, Brexit, you know, Trump. I don't give a shit. You might. I'm not interested in that. Brexit, I don't even really know what it's about. I don't really listen to it. If I listen to politicians, how they speak, they're not answering a question. So I will get pissed off very quickly because I'm a solution-orientated person. So I'll listen to you for a minute or two. You, you're going around my, my questions or whatever I ask. You're not really answering me. We don't know each other. So why am I wasting any brain space on that? Like Trump, I don't know him. You know, I don't know what he's done. And I don't know what, what's happening. You know, all I'm seeing is war, darkness. TV. I don't even watch TV. I can't remember the last time I bought a paper. When you see in the media terms like drug addict and depression, what do you think of those terms? And you, you know what? It's, it's just, that's why I'm in the middle of right this second. I got asked, I'll, I'll answer it. I got asked, I'm probably going to India to open up a brand new place, which means what a, an opportunity. It only happened two weeks ago. I'm working with someone. Um, then I, I was in India two, three years ago. And I helped a few people and one therapist, young girl who's just completed a degree or whatever they do in India, she followed me up and then I hadn't heard from her for a year. And then she phoned me about some lady whose husband's an alcoholic. Uh, she'd gone around India to try and get help. There's no real help. There's not many rehabs. Those that are, they don't do nothing. She said, she said, it feels like they're taking her money. And this brave woman who I'm about to meet, I've been on the phone with her emails and, and WhatsApp. She when she gave me the number and then I spoke to this brave woman, she told me the story and then and then within within twenty minutes talking to her, she she told me she doesn't really know what she's doing. So I said <gasps> said, You can't start it's already June is opening up. She don't she's put a price on a month which is twelve hundred euro. I said, You don't know what you're doing. I said, What about your own structure? What about your own price? She doesn't know. So she, so it just felt for her the right time. That's why there's the, the, the counselling girl probably told her about me because I'd done training in her treatment centre. I trained a star. Think about that, my story. I'm training people now. I'm training stuff. I've been to the United Nations. How about that? To train their staff. How about that? United Nations. <laughs> to train 20, 20 odd people. And I've been places you wouldn't imagine. I've been in football clubs. I've, I've intervened and worked with actors down in Abbey. I've been some some uh, A-list actors. I've been on private jets. What I do, Sean, is just take a picture, right? And just when I'm around, I say, look, have a look at that. I don't need to talk nowadays. I joke a lot. I have fun a lot. If I can get to a place where I'm at, and I'm, te I'm telling you, we were saying about it, being on the cusp of a level where I want to go into places and not worry about fucking paperwork or, or giving some addict £10, I give them the money. You got to, oh the government funding suggests that we got to pass this on, you know, the outcomes level in government. Fuck off. Like, the, the money who's taking the money 
You know, like if if you've been given like two hundred million, who's giving the money? So so what I do, I give some of them money, twenty quid, not a lot. I don't spoil them, you know. But if I get family members who've got money and we organise a plan for rehab costs, I will say I'm the rehab. Let's do your detox first. Let's decide later in the two or three weeks when you sort yourself out with me. Because if I wasn't doing this, I would have experienced my pain. No one understood what to do. All I do is just get nicked, go prison, rehab. No one told me what rehabs meant. No, I didn't know what to do. No one picked me up. You know, you got to pick them up. You got to take them. You got to pick them up. And you got to hold addicts or vulnerable people or mental health for two, three months. Because society are lazy and they don't want to do that bit. Because no one wants to work around the clock. I work around the clock so much. So my liver, my esophagus, I fucking end up all with stress. I didn't know. I really did. I've been like that for like 15, 13 years, 14 years. I've been doing this work. Uh, more so the last 10, uh, where, where where it's now taking more effect, yeah? Taking more effects. Like, there's a lot of this type going on now, which a lot of people on the internet I've seen, they're earning money for it. These people are watching me, watching us. They could earn money on that. A lot of the rappers have got people saying about the rappers, haven't they? A lot of podcasts talking about, oh, the gossip, what's going on? There's ways now to earn money. We just got, like, if anybody, you, you said you can give my details to people, yeah? If anybody out there, phone me. <laughs> phone me. You know, because I will come and get you. You know, yeah, all, literally. All of, all of Julian's details will be in the description box below this video. So just click on the show me more. Which I got, I'm sure we were saying, I ain't even got a Twitter account. <laughs> we're going to work on his socials. We're going to work on that area. So going, just going back to the question about addiction then. Yeah, sorry, yeah. So like Russell Brandy says, I'm an addict. I can't even have a drink now because that will lower my guard and the next thing I'll be smoking crack and shooting up heroin. Do you think people are addicts for life like that? He's he's labelling himself as, as an addict for life? I like, see, when it comes down to the personal experience, I think people, right, it's crazy, right? Because, do you want me to tell you what I think? Yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous had a history before Alcoholics Anonymous, before the 12 steps, there was a group called the Oxford Group. This was for alcoholics, not drug addicts, but they then kind of put it together. They say there's a physical component to alcoholism. One is what? Without drugs or alcohol, pretend you're clean. You have an obsessive personality, right? This is what they say. A mental obsession. If my thing is heroin, I have a mental obsession for heroin, right? I'm clean. I get, I get out of prison. I promise I'm not going to do it again. That's all the information. But there's a physical bit for Alcoholics Anonymous in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? An allergic reaction. The internal reactions, once it's ingested, means I want more and have no control. I don't believe it. Because heroin, you take that for a week, you give it to Mother Teresa for a week, she'll want fucking more heroin and crack. Do you understand? It's your thinking. Now, why are you telling yourself you're, you're an addict? Like, really, it's the only thing we got. We haven't got much else out there. What, the underlying symptoms, they say spiritual malady. It's not. It's sin. But we don't want to use the word sin, do we? Because it's a religious word. Lust is going to kill you. If you think banging women to the cows come home and you're not having any ideals or belief system, right? And you don't believe in the process of good, then you're not going to feel good about yourself. Whether you're an addict or not. You're, you know, a woman. She does the same thing in moral fibre. Her character, like, that, that's why it's connected to your mind. It's not an addict. You're telling yourself, like, I don't know if Russell goes meetings every day. I don't think he does. 
I don't know if he's sponsoring people the way we sponsor people because I know what we do in sponsorship. Or is it something else? I understand he's trying to help people. Thank God for him as well, for his own... I love him. I think he's really funny. But you're only doing... If you're not doing the work in your heart, you know you're not doing the work. The 12 steps is about taking someone else for it. You don't analyse yourself and go yoga for 15 years. Go and help someone new who's dying with fucking crack addiction, heroin addiction. That's where you're needed. Talking is talking. It's great. Most people do it. I don't want to put anyone down, you know, but I'm in the trenches. Like, whether an addict, CA, NA or not, I don't associate myself no more to attaching myself to a label. I'm me. I want to be right with God conscious. Just means my true self. That's all that means. If I want to go to a church, I'll go to a church. I want to go over there. If I want to mix with Muslims, Catholics, I'll go and do that. But I'm certainly not attaching myself to anything. And to call myself an addict every day in your five years clean, 10 years clean, I understand. A true alcoholic maybe has to. All right. Maybe they may have to. But you know what? Have a drink and see for yourself. Because the big book says, have one. Go to the local bar. What people do is, oh, no, don't have a drink. That's bad. No, it's not. People drink. People use drugs. Why are they saying that? The book says, have a drink and let us know. So that means you'll know if you have that drink by yourself, no one giving you misinformation, you'll know if that's got an allergic reaction to you. Heroin and crack cocaine, crack psychological, take it, see what happens. Have a bit of heroin, see what happens. You know, nice buzz, see what happens. You know, so so do I think we, do I think, you know, no, it's not about that. It's about looking at your true self. What Are you happy with what you got? So like drugs is a symptom. Move it all away. I mean, let's just move away. That's why I'm, I'm not here to talk about like research or, you know, what's real, like a real alcoholic, what's not. Really, that's for other people to, to look at, to study, to put the rats in the fucking thing, whether the rats have got things to play with or not. You know, like my job is more about the first getting them from using. This is my job, by the way. And then mediation and life coaching with the families. My job is to get that person, stay with them. You can talk advice and they're using and they're addicted to a drug. You can be addicted to a drug, but are you an addict? Do you understand? You can be addicted to that. But are you an addict? Why are you telling yourself that? Try not to then. Let's give it a go. So then some of just might need an arm and say, do you want to come off this? Let's just have a go. You can talk really kindly to people. You don't fucking tell them off. You know, it's, just, it's, a, it's if you have got an obsession, if you have a mental obsession, what someone else might say is depression or someone else might say something else. I do understand that. Because have you seen kids who have got terrible, what they call OCD or bipolar? I don't know, but have you ever heard of this one? Bipolar, one, two, three, four, five. Who researched bipolar one, two, three, four, five? I'm sure they did because they're out there. I'm really, I've seen programs where, you know, Parkinson's and MS, I've seen terrible fucking people, uh, people suffer so much with that. And then I've seen programs where they're researching. It takes years to get a drug, like in, in, the, in the, uh, the pharmaceutical companies to get it ticked off. Like, yes, it works. So that's not me. You know, like, great. We need people to do that. But my job is, what I said, is to simply get them, moderate them, because I'll let someone use drugs around me. A couple of days, though. You want to carry on using them? Thanks, but no thanks. I'll go away, because I'm not going to force anybody. But you get people that are desperate out there. That's why, like, we need to be what I want to create, a train, like a lot of interventionists, but in the real world. 
not in the 12 step community because that's a small percentage isn't it the 12 steps this is probably a first a lot of 12 steppers are probably going what are you talking about like no it's much bigger what about your mum dad sisters brothers it's not about you and the 12 steps it's about the community the actual big book actually says to wives to family after to employers you understand but they miss it they don't take it out but a few do and a handful which is a shame because it tells you to get out into the community, not turn it into group therapy and sit in meetings like it's group therapy. And everyone gets together, don't they? They bang each other because you would. You go into a work environment. She might look, hello. And they get to know each other. Might have an affair. It happens in the 12-step fellowship even quicker because like, they're all just like Broadmoor. You know Broadmoor, the criminal insane hospital? Well, when they have the dance, the men and the, men, <laughs> the women and the women... What do you think they do when they get together? They suck on to each other. <laughs> they see a woman or a man, yes. And they, it's just the way of the world, the way of man and woman. So, so do you get it? I go in. My job is to go and literally jump in the trenches with them. I can't say anything negative about anyone like who, who's a good talker who can, you know, if, if Russell, for instance, and many other people, if their podcast and their work is helping, and it is, surely it is, it must be helping someone because a word or two at the right time is enough for some people to have a spiritual experience to change. To realize, well, if he can do it, but there's, there's, there's a, you know, what about the homeless? What about people that, you know, really truthfully disenfranchised not just the people in the in the, in the you know the three million unemployed well we're looking at just government how about rich people wealthy but they suffer too i've worked with wealthy people they suffer tremendously you know we, we're so quick to judge you know i've been around them it's so lovely the mothers are always bastards like in a nice way i mean that you know they're protective of their children you know and it's too right you know but you got to call pull them into the group because there's always issues amongst kids and the mums with whenever there's drugs and alcohol about that's why somebody needs somebody in the family that's why i'm trying to bring out a whole network of people that if we're in london instead of going i think i said to one of the boys a cameraman and that if we're saying things like um oh i'm sick where do i go a doctor yeah what does a doctor do talks to you for 10 minutes if you're lucky he'll look at you because he's on his computer normally doing the prescription again prescription yeah okay done it to me and then i'm not talking to my doctor now because as a result of my my cirrhosis and stuff like that i said to him i'm taking uh, meds i need five days to detox i can detox easy i'm not running the streets like i used to this is a medical condition what i've got it's horrible it's horrible especially with the with the esophagus and the bowel duct i needed painkillers simple as that yes and you if you don't eat for two days you lose a bit of weight and i went to him my doctor, he couldn't even look at me. He said, oh, go to, t- go to Turning Point. I said, I'm private. I can buy them what I want. I said, I'll come to see you. I said, you're useless. I said, you give, all my, you give money, drugs to my mother. I said, I had a, I had a go. My mum's on so many fucking pills. And I said, and I had a go at him. I said, I ain't come to see you again. Right, and then, you know, social work. And I'm beginning recently, you know, like, it's like people just so quick to judge, jump in. It's like, what if I was someone who was coming off like prescription pills, you know, and like people just not talking to each other. All this, you can look at the social media as a thing that separates us again. You know, we're not talking like we used to, you know, like girls, women, men, boys. We're not communicating as such or online, isn't it? How can you get to know someone online? So what about people who are watching this video now and they're inspired by your story? 
but they're stuck in that cycle of drug use and they just feel like there's nowhere to turn. What would you say to phone those people? Phone me up just immediately. Immediately phone me up. This is real. I'll fucking get to you. Or we'll work something out. we start communicating. I'll promise anybody that. I want to train you to train someone else. That's it. I'm not going to bring you... We look at what's out there. Psychiatrists, they hold support workers, mental health. The, the staff we got is nice. It's the best we've got. But we need the next step now. We need to change it because it's not working, is it? Come on. It's not working. Everybody seems fucked. They're on a prescription pill. They're on something. You know, they're not free. The fear is too much. The anxiety is too much. So have you got a web page then with all this contact information on well, it? Well, I'll give you, I'll, I've got JX Interventions, but all we need is my number, basically so right, an email. Put my, put your number put on below my number on you anybody. Get I'll get, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Follow me up, we'll get you in groups, we'll work. All we got to do is get you through a detox. That's it, and we do it together. Then let's go out, let's get, let's get in the media. Let's go on, let's go on like Bob Geldof done fucking live, eh? Let's do it with life, with humans. What are we scared of? It's my life. That's what I'm doing. You know, that's what I want. What about our kids that are coming up? You know, they don't even know what's good. They're, moving, they're coming into a culture where everything is external. Nothing is real. Like, it might be. They, they say things like, oh, I'm bored. Like, we weren't bored when we were growing up. When we were young, we were, there was no fucking phones about it. No, we had fun, didn't we? The only thing I had was Mayfair magazine. I didn't have fucking <laughs> online porn all day. And you know what? Fuck porn as well. It makes me feel sick. <laughs> Bigblackcock.com, sorry. But like that makes us all insecure. It must make the women who are all beautiful to women and normal human women. You know, fuck that. I don't look at that. So going going from this fast paced life then yeah. to the life you're living now, do you ever miss the fast pace? Oh no, but I'm fast anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fast what what <laughs> <laughs> Oh, of course! You've got me. This is this is like I'm taught, I'm doing thing for you here. So, so it's just a lot of stuff I ain't spoke about for years has come up because yeah. I haven't spoke for quite a while about the past. And just bits come up there, like oh yeah, it's just that I've re- I've remembered and probably a lot when you think about it after. But the whole the whole idea of this is I just simply think to help someone else and genuinely so, not like. People say, and this is to help someone else. Well, I'll fucking do it. I will come to you now. I want to know your family. If you're not connected to your family, then I won't, I'll keep your confidentiality. If mum and dad, or you ain't got a mum and dad, you got whatever your story is, connect with me. Even if it's the phone to start with, even if it's whatever, you're abroad, if you're in London, England, better. In London, I'm from London, but I travel a lot. I'll come to you. I'm going to India, by the way, to open up a place for a woman whose husband's an alcoholic. This is how fucked it is out there. There's no real help in India, this is, uh, what she said. And I've been out there. And, and a counsellor who phoned me and I'm going out there to set up the whole structure of the rehab and the finance and the recruitment. How amazing is that? But I'm not going to bring it. I'm going to talk about life skills, entrepreneurial work, family, kids. Bring them all in. Get kids involved. You can't bring a kid into a rehab. Oh, everyone's so fucking serious. You know, I'm an alcoholic. Jeez, you know, life is about living. Before you know it, you're going to be at your death's door. Oh, where's my life gone? Fucking reach out now. Good point. You know? Yeah, what a a strong note to to finish this song. So if you're out there and you've been inspired by this powerful story, such profound transformation. I mean, I've just sat here riveted. Uh, Julian's energy 
has just kind of buzzed, buzzed this whole room up for the past three hours. Is that how long it's been? If you've enjoyed, it goes like that, doesn't it? Jesus. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, <coughs> then please put a comment in the description um, below the video. Let let us know. Let Julian know how you felt about phone him and his up. story. If you've got a drug issue, phone him up. And, um, he'll, he'll... I'm looking for a companion as well. <laughs> no sex till we're comfortable. <laughs> Cheers, brother. <laughs> Cheers, yeah, thanks very Brilliant. much, Julian. Brilliant. Good stuff.